Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. St. Louis and welcome into the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley. Randy Carricker is out and we have a great show for you today. 8.45, Darren Pang will be joining us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. At 9.15, we got Mike Claiborne. And at 9.45, we have Mizzou head football coach Eli Drinkowitz joining us to talk a little Mizzou football. Maybe some Mizzou basketball as well. Good morning, Brooke. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. No coffee spilled today, so we're, we're off to it, well, a great start. That is the best That's the best <laughs> way to start the day. Although when you did spill the coffee, it got you up and running, got you moving a little exactly. bit faster. Exactly. Yeah, well, you have to kind of get going a little bit faster after that. It, it, it's stings and burns just a little bit, but you were able to manage through. You, you were you were like a football player that day. You were able to push your way through <laughs> despite the injuries and, and no questions asked. You were you got it done. Last night, well, yesterday afternoon, the Cardinals took a 7-1 to win versus the Astros. And, and Brooke, earlier in the day yesterday, we talked about pitching. We we were we, we understood. We, we almost got to our number eight. We Randy and I said eight runs per game. They got the seven yesterday. But we talked about the pitching. Pitching winning championships and Jack Flaherty getting his first start of the spring. What did you see yesterday from Mr. Flaherty? Well, uh, first of all, I think that Jack Flaherty must have listened to our segment yesterday, to. of course, because no, we were like, ah, we're a little <laughs> bit worried because this is the first time that we've seen him this spring training, right? The biggest question between him and Steven Matz is, were they going to be healthy? And that's what we got yesterday, yep. right? We got a healthy Jack Flaherty, Stephen Matz. Flaherty, he looked fantastic. Now, it took him a minute there at the very beginning. I don't know if it was just nerves or him settling in. You also have the pitch clock now to worry about. The first two batters a little shaky. And then after yeah. that, he settled in and his fastball was popping between like 92, 94. He looked fantastic out there. And then even Matz picking up right after him was great as well. That was our first time really seeing him as a starter since July of last year, and he was hitting around 95 as well. Both guys really solid. And the biggest thing, Kerry, they came away healthy. They and did. that's all that we're wanting, right? Yep. You want to see him perform well. You said about, you talked about Flaherty, got into a little bit of a struggle, but ended up three innings, three innings pitched, one hit, one earned run, one walk, five Ks. Had an outstanding day yesterday. Buckled his knees with that breaking ball. You don't see that happen too often to a hitter of the caliber of Jose Altuve. That's Flaherty throwing some strikes to Jose Altuve early in the early in the game. Uh, you talked about Steven Metz. Metz also three innings pitched, zero hits, zero earned runs, and zero walks. Starts for the Birds this year. Swing and a miss. Breaking ball gets Maldonado. And he paints the outside corner. Boy, sequencing is exactly right. That was really effective. He's ready to work, and he just looks more free than we saw him at all last year, even early on. Good changeup right there gets him to wave through him. There, I'd like to see that heater in. You got it, and it backed up over the inside corner. Good call, Brad. Matz has his fourth strikeout. 
Now, Brooke, I got to be honest. I didn't know what to expect from Steven Matz. We we saw, you know, the the what last season looked like. I know he got the big contract. He was expected to be a starter. He worked extremely fast yesterday. Pitch clock is no problem for him. He's he's got good stuff. I, I think he reminded me of the Steven Matz when we saw that we saw with the Mets in years past. But last year, I didn't see that that often. And he did look really, really good yesterday. What were your thoughts about him? Well, that's the biggest thing is, one, we haven't seen him, as I mentioned, as a starter since July of last year. So how did he look kind of coming behind Jack Flaherty? Did he look comfortable? He did. How did he look with the pitch clock? He actually thrived with the yes. pitch clock because he's a quick worker. Yep. So it seemed like he actually adjusted really well to that and seems to be a benefit to him in a lot of ways. And, I mean, three scoreless innings without a hit. And, yes, this is spring training. Right. And, no, you're not getting the Astros, you know, opening day lineup. Now, Jose Altuve and Pena were out there. But still, you're not getting the rest of the guys. Mm-hmm. But – that's all you could ask for from Matt's in that performance. He looked strong. He looked healthy. Didn't seem to have any of those shoulder issues that we saw with him in years past. And, I mean, if you think about last year, too, he was even ready to come back. But, of course, they brought in Jose Quintana, so yep. that role wasn't available for him anymore. But you can tell that this year he's locked in. He knows he's not going to be your ace. He's going to be probably like your fourth guy fourth or fifth guy in your rotation and you can tell that he's ready for that role he's been preparing for it and we uh we, we were talking about Quintana yesterday maybe that's the reason why the Cardinals didn't feel so much pressure to bring him back because they knew they had Steven Matz Steven Matz has really good stuff he, he had great movement yesterday pretty good velocity it was exciting to see as you said it's still early in the season in the spring it, it, we we they say don't take too much stock into what you see in in March and April but I was really excited about what I saw from from Steven Matz yesterday. It was it was it made me feel a little bit better about this starting rotation and the depth of it. No, I'm all in. I'm I'm taking everything in from yesterday, Carrie, including Jack Flaherty as your ace going into this season. I mean, <laughs> I, okay, wait, wait, wait. We gotta look. At, we gotta look at the text line wow, after that because it's going to. With you and Randy character, this is it's a, gonna be this is it's a Jack be, Flaherty show, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, this is a. Oh, this we, is Jack we believe Flaherty. in Jack. Here's the thing, and Jack Flaherty talked to Katie Wu and John Denton afterwards, and he talked about how important that was for him and the rest of the starting rotation to see that the Cardinals didn't go out and get another starting pitcher. They said, we believe in you guys, and that puts a lot of confidence in your pitchers, and you could tell that they're like ready to show, all right, you have confidence in us, we're going to go out there and put in that ability to go out in there and work. Drew Bergen, Drew Berge, Verhagen, <laughs> one inning pitch, zero hits, one walk. Uh, Tink Hintz, we already mentioned him, and he showed us a little something in his inning of work. He went around, a wicked curveball, takes care of Ross Adolph. And the Cardinals just continue to rack up the strikeouts. That's 12 of them. Uh, you got to be excited about this. He's showing off the fastball and then the good feel for the breaking ball as well. Just tight breaking ball, back foot to the lefty. That's Chip Carey and Brad Thompson on Bally Sports Midwest giving you a great breakdown of what Tink was able to do. What what do we say is his first name? Martavius? That's his... his, his Even re- cooler than that, Markevian. Markevius. Markevius? Yes. Markevius. I like Tink. Markevian. I need to know the the reason behind Tink now because that's what, okay for those. Of course, you guys get here right before we start the show, but 
I, I was like, what is, is Tink short for something? Or like, where did that nickname come from? And so, of course, we had to look it up. But uh, yeah, I, I like the name Tink. And look, he's just 20 year old, 20 years old. What is going on with all these 20 year olds just coming, look, just looking it, fantastic? It is a youth movement. Yeah. And Tink Hensey touched around, what was it like? Touched 97 at one point, got a pair of strikeouts and has a nasty curveball. I mean, he just looked dominant out there on the mound. Yeah, he did. He, he It's a youth movement, Brooke. These young players are are hopefully going to have an opportunity this season. If not, when when spring train when spring training breaks, they'll have an opportunity sometime this season to come up and show their worth because they have an immense amount of talent. It's exciting to watch, and we'll, we'll get to see them firsthand. We also got to see Dylan Carlson. Uh, we talked about him yesterday. What was his season going to be like? What were his expectations? Well, he showed us a little bit yesterday. Cats do. Rip toward right. That ball's got a chance. That ball is gone. Dylan Carlson with a long home run. How satisfying is that trip around the bases? It's the question we've been talking about in camp with Dylan Carlson. Can he hit the ball and do so with authority from the left side? That swing says you're darn right he can. Very quick hands to the ball fast. And this ball gets out of here in a hurry. Dylan Carlson is one of the most intriguing uh, players this season in, in spring training because where does he fit? He's Is he a center fielder? We've seen Jordan Walker move to left field. Where is he going to fit? We know Newt is going to be in right field. So it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be important for him to show that he can hit the ball pretty well from the left-handed side and do a good job, which he was able to do yesterday. Uh, what do you? What did you see from from Dylan yesterday? Well, that that was the biggest thing that you just said right there is that he did it left-handed. Yeah. That is huge for him. And look, we all know that this was a big season for him and Tyler O'Neill and Lars Newtbar yeah. going into spring training to show what they got because there's a huge competition. You have Jordan Walker literally knocking on the door right there, looking to take one of your jobs with Carlson in the DH spot yesterday. And the reason he was DHing yesterday is because he was dealing with some arm fatigue. So that's why they put him in that position. And he did what you wanted him to do. I think I caught myself yesterday thinking, because, you know, we were a little harsh on him yesterday. We kind of left him out in the talks of the outfield. Mm -hmm. Are we just being a little too harsh on him going into the season? Because, look, he had a great rookie year. And I feel like everybody tends to go through that sophomore slump, right? He kind of went through that sophomore slump last year, and he battled some injuries. The Cardinals wanted him to bulk bulk up this offseason. He did that dealing with a little bit of arm fatigue and so that's why we haven't seen him as much maybe it's maybe we were being just a little too harsh on him maybe he is going to be a part of that three-man outfield and deserves to be my thing and I was thinking about this last night it's a little controversial if I was Tyler O'Neill, I don't know if I would have left for the world baseball classic Mm -hmm. knowing how tense this competition (laughs) is I mean it it is an opportunity you know I, I don't know that you can pass up on an opportunity to play for your country, but I, I think I understand where you're coming from because this this is your main job. This is what is going to pay the bills and, and help you feed your family. And I so it, it can be a tough situation, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Dylan Carlson get more opportunities. I'm looking forward to seeing Jordan uh, Walker get more opportunities. And and Moises Gomez, we haven't talked enough about him yet. He he is a big, burly, powerful hitter that hits the ball hard and swings extremely hard. I'm excited to see more of him as well. You know, see what he's able to do. This outfield is is really packed 
And it's going to be an opportunity for some guys to, to make some plays. We haven't even talked about Juan Yepes. I think we've just kind of relegated him and Alec Burleson to, to DH or of some sort. Um, but those two guys also having an opportunity to show their, their ability in the field. I th- yeah, I mean, I think that that's the most positive thing to come out of this is that, yeah, you have plenty of depth, but where is everybody going to land yeah. is the biggest question. Even like going into spring training last year, you thought you had that set and look at how much that was shaken up because of injuries, because of different things that popped up. And it's hard to predict. But at this point, if Dylan Carlson is able to show that he can do what he did yesterday, especially left handed, figures out that arm fatigue then I think that he also really challenges Tyler O'Neill and others for that three-man spot in the outfield. And I also think that's why the, the upcoming starts of guys like Graceffo and McGreevy are going to be so important because I think there's a good chance that one or two those two guys pulls, you know, 12... 12 to 15 starts this year for the Cardinals because something will happen, something will get shifted around, yes. and I think if those guys really impress here in spring training, I think they that could be a kind of a, a boon to have in the back pocket for the Cardinals the entire season. Well, especially, and you know, not saying that anything's going on with Adam Wainwright, but if he needs a little bit more time to figure this out, you have some of those younger options out there too, and that's what was so positive about seeing Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz healthy and performing the way that they did yesterday because when you have that question mark around the starting rotation and around Wainwright, you know it's going to take a little bit to figure out. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. We are the Cali Rosen fan club here, but there's another defenseman that may be the future of the Blues. We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, I thought Alexandrov had a, has had a, is really finding his footing right now. He's been very good the last couple of games. Uh, Craig and I were just having a coffee uh, before he went to practice talking about Tucker and the start of the alley game, he had some real physical play to it. So they're, they're finding their footing and they're, they're getting uh, very comfortable. I would say the last three or four games that the newer players have, have they understand the situation. I thought they're, they're starting to play better. I think that was Doug Armstrong on with us yesterday uh, talking about the young players that came up from Springfield and, and how well they've been performing. I'm Kerry Davis. This is Brooke Grimsley. Brooke, the, the young guys have been getting their opportunities with the, the trades, all of the movement before the deadline of all the veterans. What have you, what have you seen from these young players, and, and what are your thoughts or hopes going forward uh, for this Blues Hockey Club? Well, it's, it's really interesting because having Doug Armstrong on yesterday, he just kind of reiterated the point that we've been hearing from him recently is that he's looking towards younger guys. He's looking for that next wave. The youth movement is definitely coming through the blues. They've already been working towards that with signing those big contracts with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And now you even see them in situations like this mm-hmm. where they're going to make sure they give a young guy like Tyler Tucker more ice time, more opportunities, more opportunities to grow to see what they have. I think at this point they're like, look, this is what we we only have this much left in the season. We need to go ahead and see what this guy's got. Let's see how much ice time he can handle, how much pressure he can handle. Because the little bit they have given him, I will say, has been really impressive. Tyler Tucker is a guy that you wouldn't even expect to be in this situation. He was a seventh round draft pick and has quite literally fought his way up to the NHL level. So you can tell that fight, that want to, and how many times have we heard Doug Armstrong say during this situation, during all the trades, that he wants guys who want to be here, who want to fight. 
He's paying attention to the mm-hmm. guys who are still fighting, yep. and I think that's why he's rewarding Tyler Tucker in this situation. Barubi had thoughts on what Tyler Tucker has been doing so far this season. It's uh, not that it's not about Rosen's play, or you know, I know he had a tough game, but it's about um, you know Tucker's future and you know where we're at and getting Tucker games. Uh, we've liked Tucker. We like what he brings. We like that. Um, that's something you know that is going to be very helpful and useful for us. So I don't want to just play tuck a game, set him out a game. I want to get him moving a little bit, get him some games. But Rosie will get his opportunity again. Yeah, I, I Rosen, Callie Rosen will get his opportunity again. I, I I'm happy that that Tucker is going to get those opportunities. But it's 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 heartbreaking, disheartening uh, to hear that that Callie Rosen is not going to get those opportunities. But because he's done nothing but shine when he gets his opportunity or has had that that opportunity to play. He's he's leading the team in plus minus. I know some people don't give much weight to that, but if you're on the ice when you're scoring goals and not on the ice when you're giving up goals, I, I maybe maybe you should you should, should look into that. Um, but what Tucker is going to provide, they they think he's going to be a future star here. So you do want to get your younger guys more opportunities. I think that's what's taking place right now. You do feel so bad for Callie Rosen Awful. because uh, on paper and even just watching him play, he's doing everything that you would expect him to yep. do and want to do. I feel like, and not to take away, I know I was saying earlier that Obviously, Armstrong is looking at guys that who wants to be here, who's fighting. Callie mm. Rosen is doing yep. that. It just seems like at this point, it is what it is. They know that the season is what it is. Yep. And so they just want to give Tyler Tucker, some of these younger guys, more of an opportunity to get out there, get some NHL experience before next season. Here's what, what probably took place. If this team was winning and having success and Callie Rosen was playing well, he would still be having those opportunities. When you start losing and you know that you're not going to make the playoffs, you're not really a, a team that if you were to make the playoffs to have a, a long run in the playoffs, you start playing the younger guys and you start giving those guys opportunity to figure out if they, it's kind of sink or swim mentality. Can they play? Can they not play? And that means a guy like Callie Rosen who has been in the league for a while and had some opportunities but kind of scratching and clawing to to make a team to stay on the team isn't going to continue to get those opportunities and it's just it's just unfortunate for him I mean if I've been in this position as an athlete where you have done everything right rock I was telling you earlier about when I was in Atlanta Warwick Dunn came to me after a preseason game he said man why aren't they giving you the opportunity he said all you do is run downhill I said, hey, I don't know. You got to ask them. Would you, would your life be a little? Would your mind be a little bit less cluttered right now if Warwick had just never said that to you? Uh, no, because it it actually it actually opened my mind because, up because you, I I thought I was crazy. Like I know I'm balling. I know I can play. Okay. When I got to Pittsburgh, Casey Hampton asked me, said, "Man, why haven't you been on a team yet?" Casey, I don't know. I'm a baller, dog, and so. Callie Rosen is going through that, and it's unfortunate. At some point, hopefully he'll get his opportunity. Maybe it'll be here, um, and if not, somewhere else. But, you know, it's just part of the game. It's part of the business of, of, of football, hockey, professional sports in general. When you are in, when you are on a bad team, that team is generally going to go in a youth direction. They're going to go with the younger guys and allow them to get more opportunities to see what the future may hold for this franchise. And I will say, I do like what I see out of Tyler Tucker. He sticks out anytime that he's on the ice because he actually sticks up for his teammates and will actually go out and fight and make his presence known. He's 
I mean, about the only physical presence that you have out there sometimes for the Blues, I think he has made the most of this opportunity, and it is good to see him get that reward. It just It's really tough to see that it's Callie Rosen that's kind of on the other end of this because he's been a healthy cra- a scratch several times this season, and it wasn't because of his play. It's just right. giving guys opportunities. And knowing that you're kind of that's your role – must be tough. Yeah, I think the fact that he is more of an offensive defenseman, Callie Rosen, that that I, it probably is not what they need right now. They need defensemen that are going to, as you said, stick up for their guys, hit people, be more physical, be be more engaged in that part of the game. And I don't think that that's Callie's game right now, but he is. He does make plays. And so, you know, it, it could be frustrating for him and it will be frustrating for, for those that have watched him to try to figure out why he's not getting as much time as he as he probably should be. Uh, I was like... I. Here's the thing. I try to remember all the guys' ages, um, but then I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. So here I am thinking he must be like ancient, right? In no. hockey terms, he's 29 years old. It's exactly. just like he's, he just but he's missed old. that. He's, he's not older. The, yeah, I know. Tyler Tucker's 23 years old. It is. Oh man, that's that's a tough reality to hit. Yes. That that's like considered somewhat older. Not that that is old. Of course. In sports, Brooke, that is ancient. In football, a 30-year-old is an old man. He is an old guy. He has probably been in the league for at least eight years. <laughs> and he is an old guy, and they're trying to get rid of him. Derrick Henry is an <laughs> <Yes>. old guy. <laughs> they're trying to get rid of him. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate that this is the way that sports play. They're always going to give, you know, the opportunities to the younger guys. Like I said, especially when you have a team that is not performing well, as the Blues have in the past, you know, th- pretty much this entire season, kind of the ups and downs. You trade away O'Reilly and a lot of your veterans. Those young guys are going to get this opportunity hopefully they gain some experience for future reference that can that can help them you know next season and and years down the line but only time will tell yeah, now I feel like ancient. I would have been like retired years ago, huh? Like that's just... You've been sitting around kicking your feet up or no, doing radio it. with us. Yeah. I get it. I'm just I'm just doing life for these last ten years and I'm tired. So like, I, I understand it. That's part of it. Hey, that's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up, the quarterback carousel is starting to turn. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Prince of Darkness, is out of darkness. Derek Carr is signed. We'll talk about who else is going to be signing. That's next on the opening drive. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber says. St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley alongside Carrie Davis. Carrie, we already knew that the NFL is kind of like the wild, wild west, right? We knew that. But now the quarterback carousel is really going. I wish it would kind of stop through Tennessee. But, you know, we'll have to wait a little bit for that one. But for now, it's going through New Orleans. Some big news yesterday with Derek Carr. What did you think about that signing with the Saints? Were you shocked, surprised? The Saints, a pretty good move on their part, right? Yeah, and a pretty good move on Derek's part. I mean, you go to a conference that is lacking quarterback depth from from each each team in that in that division. You are um, going to a team that has ex- so many weapons on it. You have, uh, um, you know, Michael Thomas, who hopefully is going to be back healthy, ready to roll around. You got Alvin Kamara. Hopefully everything goes well and he doesn't, you know, end up in jail. But he's there. He's athletic and has so much talent and had really, really had a down year this past year. You got a very good defense. But that division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won that division with a less than 500 record. They were <laughs> seven and uh, eight and nine, I believe. And so they won the division, made it to the playoffs. That division is is open. The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are without a quarterback. The Carolina Panthers are without a quarterback. The Atlanta Falcons are with a quarterback, maybe question mark in Desmond Ritter. So you are looking at a at a division that is extremely weak and a team in the New Orleans Saints that is extremely talented. So I think Derek made the best decision for himself. You know, there were rumors that that he may be going to the New York Jets, um, but they were potentially waiting on Aaron Rodgers. But him going to uh, to New Orleans, to me, was the best decision for him and really the best decision that the, that the New Orleans Saints could have made. Well, and I was wondering that. What do you think is the better job, Jets or Saints? I think the Saints, I, 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 everyone will tell you that the, the, the Jets are the better job, um, but you have to look at the division. And in that division, the Buffalo Bills are the team that is, is you know, way above everyone else. And then you have Miami with a healthy Tua who played extremely well, hadn't lost a game uh, up until one point, and, and he got injured, got out, and missed some time with concussions. They don't know if he'll be back. But you, you're looking at a division, as I said, in New Orleans with the with the NFC South where there is not a lot of competition. So if you're a quarterback, and also, Brooke, here's the other thing that is extremely important. That AFC is stacked with mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, you got uh, Josh Allen, you got Patrick Mahomes, there, Justin Herbert. There are so many quarterbacks in that AFC. We, we don't even talk about Trevor Lawrence enough. There are so many quarterbacks in that AFC. It's tough. Lamar Jackson, if he goes back to Baltimore, I can probably keep going. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett, I think, is on the rise. There are so many talented quarterbacks in the AFC on the AFC side that going to the NFC is probably the least least path of resistance to making it to to the Super Bowl. So that's why I like the decision by Derek Carr going to the New Orleans Saints. All right, now let's hear Adam Schefter, NFL Insider's thoughts on what led the Saints to signing Derek Carr. New Orleans prioritized Derek Carr. After the Raiders released him and allowed him to go visit, that was the one place that he spent a couple of days going to visit. He's played before with the Saints head coach, Dennis Allen, 
who was part of the Oakland Raiders organization when they drafted Derek Carr out of college. Now, those two men will be reunited again. He had interest from the Carolina Panthers. He had interest from the Jets. But clearly, he wanted to go to New Orleans to play in an NFC South division right now that's lacking in quality starting quarterbacks. That makes sense. Yeah. It, that, it, it, that seems like the, the best the deal. Yeah. And then also, looking at this deal, too, a deal worth $150 million, including $100 million in total guarantees? Yes. I, I, what, what more? If you're Derek Carr uh, and got... Basically, you basically got cut with two weeks left in the season. They just didn't cut you yet. They they released you, uh, but hadn't released you by telling you, "Hey, go ahead and go home and get out of here." A, a franchise that he had, he is the leading passer for. He's done a he's done an outstanding job and had multiple coaches over his nine year career there. Done an outstanding job and you know was just moved. And I think a lot of teams or people you know. In media, look at Derek Carr and say, "Well, he's not a player. He's not a guy. He hasn't had a top ten defense. He ha- he's ma- basically his entire career had a top twenty defense. So you know you're not playing complimentary football if you are not having a defense that can go out there and get stops. You're going to have to make a lot of comebacks. You're going to have to fight your way back into games. And he's done an outstanding job. But you need a team that can help you win games, not just a quarterback. And I think he went to the right place for that. Well, and also the carousel continuing with Geno Smith signing a three-year extension with the Seattle Seahawks. I am so happy for Geno. Geno Smith, if you would have took a time machine and told somebody 10 years ago that Geno Smith would be signing a three-year, $105 million deal with anybody, no one would have believed you because Geno Smith just had such a, a, a rough go at it in New York with the Jets and his career just seemed like it was on a path for destruction. Wasn't going to have the success of a of a top tier pick that he was. He no, he was drafted in the second round, but one of those guys that didn't have didn't seem like he had a future ahead of him once he got to New York and left New York and has just been plugging his way away. Uh, did a great job as a backup for Russell Wilson his last year in, in Seattle and finally got the starting job. And we saw what he did this year. And uh, a, a pro bowler did an outstanding job taking his team to the playoffs. And, you know, I am so happy for Geno Smith to get his payday, get all of the money that he needs to get. And so you, you love to see it for a guy that is, has fought his way back from, from what he was to what he is now, it's great to see. Well, and also something that stands out about the contract is, this is per ESPN, is that he's going to get a whopping $52 million this year. Brooke, I played the wrong position. <laughs> I, I, I think about this often. Uh, you know, I, every most of I the men in my family are like 6'2 and up. And yeah. for whatever reason, I got the, the 5'10 gene. I just didn't. <laughs> Didn't grow as tall as the rest. I, I would have been a quarterback. Hey, Bryce Young uh, is not that tall. He's not. He supposedly. He, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I was too heavy. I, 200 pounds. I'm, I don't know if I've ever been 200 pounds. You would have been hard to tackle, though. Yeah, Think about that. Yeah. I would have been. I'd have been a running quarterback. But I'd have had a. <laughs> I'd have been making a lot of money. These guys are getting paid. Good for them. I'm happy to. I love to see it. It, it is. It's an amazing feat for them. Well, and then what about Daniel Jones? There's big extension questions there. Yeah, they uh they have some issues going on in in New York because you got Dan, uh, Daniel Jones there and and Saquon. You got to figure out what the role, what the move is going to be. And Daniel Jones is is potentially looking at forty forty five million dollars uh, a year. And I don't know the thing that that I think the 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 New York Giants are are 
kicking themselves in the butt for. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option going into this season, and now he had a hell of a year with Brian Dayball. You didn't think he was going to perform that well because he hadn't done it, but he got a quarterback coach, a coach that can show him and, and teach him the right way to play the game and had one of his best years. He didn't have an outstanding year in terms of numbers, but he had his best year, and so that's just how the market goes. The New York Giants are going to have to pay him because you don't want to be a team without a quarterback. It is too hard to survive in any league. It's hard to survive in high school without a quarterback, let alone in the NFL. And so they're going to have to pay him uh, what he wants to get paid, and they're, they're not going to be able to, to afford to let him walk out the door. Well, and that's what I, I wonder. Sometimes I feel like with the NFL that teams try to see if they can get away with just like oh, a yeah. game manager. Yes, Titans, you know, we, we've dealt with that with Ryan Tannehill for a while now. But it feels like the NFL, sometimes teams try to just test that out. If that works, and it never seems to work. The best way to go about winning a championship now, I think, you know, I think that obviously the, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs have done it well, even though they've paid their quarterback. But generally, you need to have that quarterback on a rookie contract. And you have to get it done the first four years. Because once you pay that quarterback... Uh, an exorbitant amount of money, it's tough to build a roster around him. That's why the Patriots were always so good. Tom Brady never chose to take one of those massive contracts to get paid, you know, top tier players in the league. And so you're able to have more players around him. Uh, It helps that his wife is a billionaire or ex-wife. What is it? She's ex-wife. Ex-wife. Yeah. Ex-wife. But while he was playing, she was his wife. So yeah, you know, it helps that, that your, your, your spouse makes a lot of money, but it is difficult to build a roster, to build a team, when once you pay that quarterback. And the the and you talked about it. The the Tennessee Titans are have tried to get away <laughs> with a game. It's Brooke so just, painful. Brooke almost fell out of a chair when you I said won that. thirteen games with Kerry Collins. Have some respect. Oh, they got whooped in the playoffs by the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. That's the year we won the Super Bowl. We lost to the Titans that year. You know what? You know what? You should bring up a you bring up a good point because we talked about this yesterday with AJ McCarron turning turning down NFL money. So you're saying that Tom Brady should also unretire, turn down NFL money to play in the XFL, right? Yeah, no, never. That's, yeah, it's not. I, listen, I, it, it, you're gonna get hit the same amount. I actually, in AJ McCarron's uh, situation, he's gonna get hit more because as a backup quarterback, you never get hit. So you're gonna make more money, take less of a beating. I don't know that I would have done it, but that's just me. All right. Well, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's Gary Davis. I'm Brooke Grimsley. We'll be back on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 or if you like to use the numbers 314-399-YO-HO. It is time for Take It or Leave It. And Brooke, we, uh, we've we been watching, paying attention to this World Baseball Classic and, and the startup of everything. And there's one young man named Lars Newbar who is on Team Japan. And yesterday we saw... 
probably the well, I guess one of the best players in baseball. One maybe go down and one of the the greatest players in baseball and Shohei Otani doing the pepper grinder as he came around third base after hitting a home run. Take it or leave it. Lars Newtbar is having the time of his life on Team Japan. I'm going to take it. At first, I was really excited. I thought you were going to say, take it, that Shohei Otani will eventually become a Cardinal. Oh, well, and I was going to say, I was going to take that. <laughs> I want Lars Newbar to recruit so hard over in Japan to bring Shohei Otani to St. Louis. Will that happen? Probably not, because he needs, like, he's obviously going to be paid a lot of money. But man, he know. is just so much fun to watch. He's electric, quite literally one of the best athletes that I think we've seen. Yeah in a long time especially in that position I mean he what he's doing is incredible right and to have that as a cardinal oh yeah. my gosh that would be amazing and they're they seem to be best friends I've been following um so I have also lived in Japan for a little bit so I've been like following what's been going on over there mm. and seeing all the different posts about them they are literally becoming best friends well take it or leave it Lars is working on free agency with Shohei Otani coming to St. Louis hey if there's anybody who's <laughs> going to recruit I think Lars Newtbar is the best at selling the card there you go <laughs> so I'm going to take that and I'm going to take that Lars is having the time of his life because he does look like it Indeed. I was telling you guys I want to find a Samurai Japan Lars Newtbar junior yeah. Jersey, yeah, but I don't think they have them here, obviously. Yeah. But uh, and I'm not going to try to buy it off <laughs> a sketchy website overseas. Um, but yeah, I, I need that jersey because it looks so cool, and I can't wait to see them play Team Korea here soon. Um, okay, take it or leave it. Jack Flaherty will be your ace all season. I'm all in. I, I'm all in on Jack Flaherty now, guys. Are, are I'm just we, trying to, or am I just trying to get the text line just going? <laughs> are we saying <laughs> no, no time at all on the on the IL? I'm saying no time. What? This is going to be a fully no healthy Jack time? Flaherty. Not no flu-like symptoms. Nothing. Oh, so he'll he'll miss a start, but it'll be just a. It won't be because of injury. It'll be like a, a day off. Like they just Maybe, get a six-starter yeah. type of deal. Ah, Brick, I want to take it. I really do. I, I want to but take the hesitant. fact that he's going to not have an I. You know what? For 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 the sake of I, I'll take it. Let's take it. No IL stint. He'll play the entire season, be healthy. Now, if that's the case, Brooke, we are looking at uh, with if he is who we think he is. We're looking at a potential Cy Young candidate, right? This is yes, and because this is a huge year for him. This is what I'm Correct. saying because this is his, this was his final year of arbitration. This is a huge contract year for him. His decision on if he's going to stay with the Cardinals, not stay with the Cardinals, all that stuff that everybody gets so worked up about if he's going to or if he's not going to. His performance this year is going to be crucial for him getting that big deal that he wants. And you know he's going to go out there and try to prove that, that he deserves that. I, I got one for you. Take it or leave it. If he does have the season that you're talking about, he won't be a Cardinal le- next year. I'm going to leave it. I think he wants to be a Cardinal. I think he wants to. I don't. I think that that narrative be, has it's been It's going to be some money that needs to be paid. Yeah. And <laughs> the organization but, is going to have to make a decision. But also maybe that's why they didn't go out and get another starting pitcher. Because so you have like, more room. I got you. I don't know. I mean, there's there's millions of possibilities. What you got for us, Rock? All right, fair enough. We got one thing. Take it or leave it. MLS needs to change it around. They do it backwards. It should go away team versus home team, not home team versus away team. Uh, uh, well, it, it could be a little confusing. 
I mean, when you look at the schedule, how how it's set up usually. <laughs> no, it threw me off. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> I just started looking at where the where the game is actually being played, and if I if it doesn't say City Park, then I know it's away. <laughs> no, literally, I, I was I was very confused going into this weekend, and then I looked up and I saw nine thirty. I was like, no way that there's a nine thirty game in St. Louis, right? Yeah, and that's that's a remnant of. Uh, at least how the British do it with Europe with the EPL. I'm not sure if the other Europeans do that. You know, they they, they do the days and the months differently too. Don't you know yeah. that? Well, this well, is the we're US. The, of we're the only one. No, no, no. Shh, don't stop. carry. Don't you dare. No, hold on. This is the US hold of on. A, Carrie Davis. How dare Rock. you? We do it differently. These colors don't run. <laughs> <laughs> we do it differently. Don't say they. Everyone else. Really, really in the world does it one way, and we do you want to use the metric system? Do you want to use the metric listen, system? Everyone else does it differently, it does it their way. We do it differently. Wow, take it or leave it. Carrie hates, time. A, Carrie hates America. There's multiple texts in here. Take it or leave it. I just I'm gonna leave, leave it, but it. I, I can see why you texted in, is all I'm saying. Uh, take it or leave it with MLB TV deals about to explode. It would be wise for the Cardinals to sign Jordan Walker to a fifth. 15-year, $450 million deal contract, and Jeff Lurie to a seven-year, $280 million contract this spring. <laughs> Waiting will only cost them more money. Oh. More money than these almost three quarters of a billion you're trying to throw out there? I, I'm going to leave it. I, I don't think, I, I mean, we haven't seen Jordan Walker play in a, a regular season game yet, although we do believe he's going to be a stud. There, there is a way... I think to pay people early, but maybe not that early. And and as far as Jack Flaherty, I think again what Brooks said, we need to see an entire season. Hopefully he is he is healthy this entire season without any stints on the IL and, and can show, you know, what he really is able to do. I think that's absolutely that's wild uh <laughs> that that you would give a contract to a guy that hasn't even played in the majors yet. With You're right. with Jordan Walker. I mean, is he talented? Yes, but we got we gotta get to that we got to get to that point where he's actually an everyday player, and then we can talk about some big bucks. But I don't, I don't see it, those deals coming anytime soon. So I'm going to have to leave that one. Now, now is that being hopefully optimistic? And would it turn out to be great if it did pan out? Yeah. Should you manage a, ba- a baseball team like that? No. <laughs> Financially, <laughs> probably not. Fair enough. Not off hopes and wishes. People are spending a lot of money here on the for the Cardinals. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will make a serious offer for Otani. I think, oh. I think they're going to always do what they do where, you know, you see the little rumors come out where it's like the Cardinals are in talks with Shohei Otani, you know, and I think that they'll at least put their name in the hat, right? Uh, I mean, you if you don't at least show your fans that you're at least going to reach out to see, why not? Now, is it going to happen? No, because I mean, Shohei Otani, it's going to be crazy money. It's going to be so much money that you're, you're it, it, I don't know what that number is going to be. No, it's not even going to be, it's, it's not even going to be like, it's not going to be like David Price or anything like that. It's not like they're going to be in second in the running and it's just a, a mammoth offer at the last moment beats out their offer. And it's, they're, they're, they're going to be like finished third or fourth. That's not going to, I, I just can't, it's going to be so much money. Uh, take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson is currently not in your opening day lineup. Oh. I'm going to leave that. He's going to be in our opening day lineup. You think? I think so. Newt is there. Tyler O'Neill, more than likely. Maybe. But if you're looking, if you're basing it on numbers, Jordan then... Jordan Walker is still performing. I think Jordan is Jordan Walker's on the opening day roster. And if he's on the opening day roster, he's starting. 
I'm telling you, I we discussed this yesterday. Do I think he deserves to be? Yes, because he's doing everything that you would want him to do in spring training. Do I think that that's what the Cardinals are going to do? No, he hasn't been to AAA yet. I can see them putting him there for a little bit. Of course, he's hopefully going to do well. And then it's going to get to the point where it's too hard to ignore. You have to bring him up. Possibly an injury will pop up, but they're going to give the guys that they have now at least one last chance to prove themselves. With as many games as they have, they're going to at least early on give them a chance to prove themselves. And if Jordan Walker still makes it really hard and triple A to ignore, then you bring him up and then you move some things around. I just like the thought process of letting the guy, if he's that good, if he's going to be that good, you got to let him play right away. I mean, because here, and here's why. If you, are struggling early in the season. Let's say you 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 don't you you lose I don't know ten out of your first thirty games, or, or you lose, win ten out of your first thirty games, and you bring him up, and now you're you're competing and you're playing extremely well. It may come down to a point late in the season where you're a couple of games back, where a Jordan Walker could have changed that that trajectory or that season earlier in the season, and that's in my opinion, you don't want to have one. One player sitting on the other, not playing and and waiting and miss out on the playoffs by a couple of games because you decided to save a few dollars early just, in the season. I'm just gonna say this is the same same team, and I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm I'm full in. If you prove yourself, you work hard, you do deserve the chance. But at the same time, I don't. It's it's just not going to happen this early on. I don't see them doing that. He's got to face some Triple A pitching. Not saying that that's going to be the hardest pitching he's going to face. He still has some things that he needs time. He needs time. There's no rush. I don't think they want to rush it with him at the same time, too. And you got to figure out what's going on with your other guys. Is Dylan Carlson, is he going to be fully healthy? He was dealing with arm fatigue. That's why he was DHing yesterday. Yeah. Where That's does he fit into right. this? Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. Tyler <laughs> O'Neill still hasn't been, been doing great <laughs> as well. So I think that you give those guys a little bit, because this is also the same organization that said to Paul DeYoung, we're not going to do anything with you. We're going to give you a chance. They're all about giving these guys another chance to work on it so they can say, we did give it a full try. Because you know what else you don't like to see that Cardinals fans don't like to see? That guy gets traded or gets picked up by another team and all of a sudden they're just mashing the ball. Oh, I mean, Cardinal fans don't have a weird uh, problem with that. That doesn't, that doesn't bother them. Or There's no trigger Stop warning it, about that or anything. We're, we're, we're uh, not like crazy fans following like what, no. what they're doing You know, once not, they leave. It's not like everyone was extremely irrational about Aroldis Garcia or anything. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Jamie Rivers could beat Kerry at pickleball. Oh. Well, seeing you as how pickleball? I've never played pickleball a day in my life, I would have to figure out if Jamie actually is a pickleballer. Um, but... I, I'm, I'm, I, I've told you all this a couple of times. I'm very competitive. And once I learned the nuances of the game, I, I would compete against anyone. If Now, this is like mini table tennis slash regular tennis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my shoulder may not hold up, but... You don't have to do the full motion. That's the great thing about pickleball. Oh, well, yes. Do we, do we, do we have to run a lot, move a lot? No, a that's, lot of that's also in pickleball. that's why people like pickleball because it's kind of like a condensed condensed know, tennis court. Jamie Jamie's been doing like quick quick short bursts of movement in the phone booth his entire career. Well, you think I did? That's fair. You did. Oh, you did. We, we, <laughs> I just can't skate, Rock. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> we ain't on skates. I'm, <laughs> so like, I'm taking my chance. How's Kerry Davis uh, learning how to skate with the Blues? How, how's that coming? I, it didn't happen. We were supposed oh, to get out there. I was supposed wait. to wear my. Uh, 
football helmet and my shoulder pads and get out there on some skates and hopefully stay upright. I, I am definitely afraid of skating, ice skating, though. It, I, it's, I have an that idea. That blade is too thin. It is. It's scary. It's a big man on little blade doesn't <laughs> doesn't feel. <laughs> oh, Zadino Charles did it just fine. Yeah, he's been doing it his entire life, I'm sure. Wait, I, wasn't have a, a big I have man. a question. I, I think this is a great idea that brought up a great point. I feel like we need to have a pickleball tournament Shows oh. against shows. Now, I, hey, look, you're I will talking. give you guys lessons because I played like, tennis competitively say, my okay, whole life. Okay, so, no, we, we good then. We good. So I, mean, I will help you guys. Tanner, and, Tanner played college ball. Tennis. College ball, what? College he tennis. Played college oh, okay. Tanner played college tennis. Right, so we, he'd be, we got it. He'd be. He'd be. He'd be. I know if it's show versus show. We, yeah. I'm saying we're gonna take on BK and Ferrari. It's gonna be a little tricky. We got it. All right, we got it. I'm right. with you. Let's do it. Let's do it. We just set this I, up. They don't even know. The they other shows have no idea. Later on today. But that's that's good for us because then we can strategize yes. and we can start practicing and then we'll let them know a month later that we planned this. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, let's get one more in here because I, I, I want to read this one. Take it or leave it. Mizzou wins more combined conference tournament and NCAA tournament games than Illinois. Oh, take that. More combined. So we're saying take that. So they have a double bye, which means they only have to win two games yes. to win the championship. Two or three? Three. Three games to win the championship. Well, I don't think they're going to win the championship. So you give them two there. You give them two in the tournament because I think they'll make the Sweet 16. So that's four. Illinois would have to win. I take it. Yes, there well, it is. You know what? No, it's I won't not the same it. thing. Illinois is wow. going to win the Big Ten. You practically said you right there. It was beautiful. No, so no, 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 sir. I did not. <laughs> Thank you, though. Thank you, Rock. Thank you, Gary. Coming up next, Dylan Carlson is uh, one of the players that we've been talking about a lot. Is he fighting for his Cardinals life? We'll discuss it next when we return on the opening drive. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. And he said that Tyler O'Neill came to him in the offseason and said, I want to crack at center field as well. So they're going to run him out there. This is a competition, okay? And Dylan Carlson is is fighting for his, his career in St. Louis. That was Mike Claiborne joining us last week, talking about Dylan Carlson fighting for his cardinal life. Uh, I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Brooke, 
when you think about Dylan Carlson and, and this stacked, packed outfield, what is his his potential to to break out and potentially earn a starting role in that outfield at, at, at some position? Well, I mean, he definitely deserves it considering <laughs> how well he's hitting the ball right now with Jordan Walker with Jordan Walker right now. It's just a matter of where is he going to fit into this situation. He 100% is putting in the work, doing the things that he needs to do, but you still have so many other question marks. And with Dylan Carlson, I'm still going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. He did what the Cardinals asked him to do this offseason. He did bulk up. I believe he put on, I think, like, what was it, like maybe 15 pounds of extra weight, which is what they asked him to do because they thought that maybe that was the issue last season with injuries is that, you know, he needed to build his body up a little bit more so that he could handle being an everyday starter the long baseball season. He did that. I feel like you have to give him another chance. My question mark is still going to be Tyler O'Neill because that's somebody else who battled with injuries, right? Right. I mean, for the majority of last season. So even he's coming in with a lot of eyes on him. And you have Jordan Walker doing everything that he needs to be doing to show I'm ready. I'm ready to be here now. But will he be a part of that opening day roster? I don't know. I'm still I'm still up in the air about that. Yeah. Not saying he doesn't deserve it. I 100% think that he deserves it, but you still have two other guys that they're trying to work things out with. Dylan Carlson's main thing was his his <laughs> left-handed hitting. It just is he going to be able to perform at the level that he needs to um in order to sustain success? Last year he was 207 having an average of 207 OPS of 633, and that's probably the main thing that that they're looking at this season. Is he going to be that left-handed bat when they need him to be. He he can obviously hit from the other side. He does pretty well. But being a left-handed bat, facing the majority of right-handed pitching, is he going to be able to do that at an elite level or at a high, high enough level to sustain success over a guy like Jordan Walker who is really pressing the issue and pushing him to, to, to try to – I won't even say just pushing him. I think he's pushing the entire outfield to try to make sure that one of them – uh, he has one of those spots. We talked to uh, Katie Wu talked to BK and Ferrario yesterday about what would happen if Jordan Walker does actually beat out Dylan Carlson. We've seen the Cardinals platoon Dylan Carlson before, and maybe that is a temporary solution if it does get there. They are not going to platoon Jordan Walker. I think that's the biggest difference. And I, you know, I don't want to be someone that's writing off Dylan Carlson. He's so young still. He has so much potential, and it's not like he's come in here and again had a bad spring. There's only been a week. Just when you're looking at the guys that they've kind of identified early on, they're looking at Tyler O'Neill, Mars Newbar as kind of those guys in the outfield. They still feel that way about Dylan, but it's up to him to perform up to expectations. I know we kind of talked about and joke around, oh, all these players are leaving for the World Baseball Classic. What are we going to talk about? But I honestly think we could spend the next three weeks talking about Jordan Walker. That's how exciting it's been. He has been exciting. And as I said, I think Jordan Walker is really pressing the issue for one of those starting outfield spots. And Newt, which I think he's going to be your starting right, right fielder. I said that yesterday. I think that's why they've been getting, giving Jordan Walker all of the opportunities in left field. It, it seems that that's kind of the way that it's panning out. Center field is going to be the battle between Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill, And yes. which one of those guys are going to come out of it on top? 
Tyler O'Neill, when he's right, he's shown us that he is a top 10 MVP candidate in the league. He can play at an elite level when healthy. He spent the offseason here stretching, doing yoga, lengthening those muscles, not being so wound up because he's he's extremely strong from the powerlifting. But if him and Dylan Carlson are going for it and they're battling for that center field position, I would think that Tyler O'Neill would be the one that comes out on top. And now you're looking at a corner outfield spot for for Dylan Carlson. Is he able to beat out Newt Barr in right? Or if Jordan Walker keeps hitting the way he is, is he able to beat him out in left? Well, and here's the thing. I don't think the competition is going to stop whatsoever once the season begins. I think this is going to be a reoccurring topic, especially as guys come back. Because think about this, too. I think they like Lars Newtbar a lot, but you can like somebody a lot. And if things aren't panning yeah. out, saying that he doesn't like follow through with how hot his right. second half of the season was, then you have to think about that as well. I think that Jordan Walker is preparing for every single situation and they're making that clear to the other guys so that they know your spot is on the line. Don't feel too comfortable here mm-hmm. because we do have Jordan Walker coming up. You have other guys as well. We mentioned Gomez earlier. I mean, there's a lot of guys looking and knocking at the door for opportunities. I don't see the competition stopping, and I think they're watching to see who handles it the best out of all of them and who is showing that they deserve to be that spot. Also, with Tyler O'Neill, here's the other thing that he has working for him is that he's a gold glove winner. Right. He, you he, like to have that out yeah, there, yeah. you know? You want guys that can do both. And, and I think that, you know, I think Katie, uh, Katie Wu said it. When when Tyler, when Jordan Walker does come up, he's an everyday player. He's not going to yes. be plat- platooning. He's not going to be in the lineup, in and out of the lineup. He's an everyday player. So that's one spot in that outfield that is going to be taken. We talked about Newton and the potential that he has, what he showed last season. I think Newt Bar is, is going to be outstanding. And I think the Cardinals – think that he's going to be outstanding. I, I don't I don't I haven't heard really any conversation in terms of who's going to be the right fielder. It's kind of seemed that it's set in stone that 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 Lars Newbar is going to be your right fielder. And so now it boils down to we know that people are going to get hurt, but you can never bank your 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 season or your career on someone else getting hurt. If you're not the starter, there's a chance that you might not get many opportunities, many at bats, many many plate appearances because you you're just not having those playing in those games and now you're banking on or waiting on someone else to get injured to get out there. I think whoever is going to be the starter for this team is going to be the one uh, that is going to obviously play the majority of the games and get the majority of the attempts. And whoever doesn't, you know, is going to be relegated to being a, a, a pinch hit, pinch hitter or, or, you know, platooning for, for off days for some of those guys that are playing every single day. Somebody texted in Dylan Carlson is going to be the next Jose Cruz, Andy Van Slyke, Randy, a Rose arena. The Cardinals will trade him away and it'll be a sore subject for the next 10 years. It's possible. But here's the thing. If if that player isn't doing those things here, sometimes I, I can I can only say this so many times and I'm, I'm going to say it again. Sometimes people in different places have more success. Sometimes the change of scenery allows you to have more success than you had in a in a certain city. Look at that, Matt Carpenter. He, I mean, uh, despite the injuries. But right. still, I mean, he thrived he as soon as he was released. He did an outstanding job. As soon as he got him, he did he did an out, and to the point where when he got injured, there was concern for the Yankees about what they were going to do in the postseason. So, you know, there are there are players that when they get in different places, they perform well. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't trade them because you're hoping that they they, they they won't succeed somewhere else. If they're not 
not having success here, you got to move on and you got to go in a different direction. And at some point, we're going to come to that point where this outfield is so packed. Hopefully, they all perform well and, and maybe you have an opportunity to trade a few of them for something in return. I think, and obviously, it's very very early on so I'm tempering expectations but that's not gonna really go with what I'm about to say I think that you might have lightning in the bottle here with Jordan Walker and the Cardinals realize that you also have to give credit when credit's due with the Cardinals they do find these once in a generational talents Jordan Walker could be that guy So, yes, so yes, Dylan Carlson, whoever, you know, (laughs) might go on and do something, you know, for a little bit. But at the same time, the upside with Jordan Walker and the fact that with what we're seeing right now, the talent, the pure talent that he has, that's a that's a very unique talent. And I think the Cardinals know what they have. That's lightning in the bottle right there. You're not going to get that everywhere. I think if if you were, I, I would want to know what, what Texas think. If you had the choice between Tyler O'Neill and, and Dylan Carlson, which one would you choose and why? I mean, because I think that's what it's going to boil down to, right? Who is Who has the bigger upside? We've, we've already seen it from one of them in Tyler O'Neill. We still haven't seen it yet. From, from Dylan Carlson, and I think potential is probably one of the most dangerous words in sport because that means you someone believes you can do it, but you just haven't done it yet. And so it's a dangerous word to say, oh, he has all of this potential. He just needs X, Y, and Z. You don't know until they actually do it. We've had visual evidence from every level that, that Jordan Walker is going to be a star. He's, he's showing it now. He showed it in double-A. If you need to see him in AAA just to to verify it even more, be my guess. But I don't think you actually need to see that to know that he's going to be a star. With Dylan Carlson, you still haven't seen that potential come to fruition yet. Not to not to mean that it does it's not there. You just haven't seen it on a consistent basis. And I think until you see it on a consistent basis, it's going to be tough to believe that it's it's going to to come to, come true. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. I mean, I think I think competition is always a great thing, and that's the thing that the Cardinals have said over and over again is they want that intensity. They want to have that competition going on because it should only bring out the best in your best players. Right. Right? Yep. And I think that's what you're seeing here. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that it's going to continue all throughout the season because you can't predict what's going to happen. And, and here's the thing. With Dylan Carlson – He's young, too. He's younger than, let's see, how old is Tyler O'Neill? Once again, we're getting to the age thing. See, I, yeah. I, I'm so bad at knowing I think people's he's, ages. I think he's 27. Uh, Tyler O'Neill is 27. He's 27. Okay. Yeah. So he's 27. Dylan Carlson is like, what, 24? Both still young, but Carlson's a little bit younger. And let's not forget, he had a great rookie season, and then he ran into some issues. He had that sophomore slump that we see just mm-hmm. about every single player go through, yep. right? It's rare that you don't see that. So you also have to see how that pans out for him as well. Yeah. Will he be able to come back from that? Or was the sophomore slump more than just a slump? Is that who he is now as a player? We will see. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we talked to Doug Armstrong yesterday about the Blues plan going forward. Is his one to two year plan too optimistic? We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Free agency is going to be an interesting time. When you look at this year's class, it doesn't seem to have the the top-end superstar power. And even if it did, this wouldn't be a year for St. Louis to to get into that. I, I think we're going to be that team in, in a, a year from now or like the free agency or the summer after that. 
That was Doug Armstrong yesterday with us talking about this offseason and free agency. And, Brooke, we were we, we asked him, what was the plan? What is the plan with you have all this this these assets, which the term he used coming back from the trades of O'Reilly and Tarasenko. Uh, are you going to use those assets, those trade those those picks? to draft players and and make the process maybe a little bit longer are you going to potentially trade some of those picks for a a a star to come in here to help out this this roster right now or are you going to go out in free agency and sign a superstar what is the plan and and Doug Armstrong said is all of the above an option and I think you know that to me is a sign that this team is is not looking at a long process of of waiting things out, trying to figure out how they're going to become a better team. They're trying to make it happen within the next year. And Brooke, if they are, if that's the plan, I'm excited for it because you know no one wants to watch a team that is struggling year in and year out. It's hard on the eyes. It's hard as a fan to consistently watch a team that isn't playing at the level that they need to play. So I'm I'm excited about what the plan and what the offseason will look like for this Blues hockey club. Well, and, and that's the thing is it's really clear that they're being honest, that they're looking more towards a younger group, a younger team. My question is, okay, if they are going to be competitive, you want to be competitive, say, within the next one or two years, being back in the Stanley Cup hunt, mm-hmm. like actually getting back to that. Are these guys going to be mature enough, ready enough to handle that right away? Right. Yeah, next, I, even next season, as yeah. as you start to turn things over, turn the page, start a new chapter of younger players building this core group up of a Robert Thomas, Jordan, Kairou, and now you even see, I mean, with the moves that they're making, they're benching a very healthy Callie Rosen, yep. who has performed well this season, to give younger guys more opportunities. Yep. Oh, and also you have Jimmy Snuggerud kind of knocking at the door as well, so I'm sure that we'll see him, not soon, but obviously possibly next season, too. So you t- you can tell that they're moving towards everything getting younger yeah. and changing the pace of play, changing their identity. What we've known from the Blues of being a very physical checking team. It seems like we're getting away from that. We're getting more towards the younger guys. Yeah. Speed, hopefully more goal scoring. <laughs> <laughs> if we can get back to, you know, last year where there was like multiple 20 plus goal scores, that'd be great. Um, but that seems to be the move and the plan for them moving forward. But how quickly are you going to be able to perform at a championship level with such a young group of guys is the question. Does that change a philosophy? Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the style of play. You asked them yesterday about the style of play and, and the checking and the, the physical nature that the 2019 team had. This team going forward is going to be faster. They're going to be, you know, more athletic, more skillful. But is that does that style of play help you win championships? Can they win a championship playing that style? Because I am sure, come playoff time, you're going to have to have some some physicality when you're playing a team multiple times in a, in a series. You're going to have to have those moments where you got to really bite down and and be physical. And if you don't have many of those guys on your roster, you're going to have to find you know one or two of them that are willing to do that if necessary. And right now, I don't know. If you're looking on this team right now, I don't know who that guy would be. Um, maybe maybe Torpchenko. I think Torpchenko has a little bit of that in him. But who else is going to be that guy uh, to, to, to kind of bite down and be the physical force if they need to come playoff time? Because it's still a young team, and, and, and Armstrong talked about He's looking for 23 to 26 year olds, and they've they've made some some transition and trades for those types of players. 
they're going to be more athletic, more skillful. Kasperi Kapanen is a is a I think he's going to be a, a very good player. I'm eager to see what Jakob Verana is able to do as well. Both of those guys being former first round picks. But when it comes down to the physical aspect of the game, which hockey has that element in it, who is going to be that guy for this team? Well, and that's that's the biggest thing is defensively what is going to change for them too because I see you making moves, changing things around. Also, I think yesterday that I read too that they are looking at possibly maybe Pavel Buchnevich working on being a centerman at some point. I saw that as well. So you can tell that they're looking at some different changes. They're looking at different ways to figure that out. I still think defensively there's a big question mark. Now, Pareko has played a little bit better as of late, but I think that, I mean, even the Blues said it. It wasn't his best season. You hope that maybe it was just kind of a fluke. Maybe finding somebody, a pairing that works a little bit better with him. I I don't know, but it is going to be really interesting to see. What stuck out to me, I remember the first time that I saw in person the Blues face the Avalanche last season when we went to Colorado for the playoffs, and the difference in speed was like astronomical with the Avalanche. And yeah. that's a team that you're going to have to continue to face and play through to get anywhere. How do you compete with them moving forward? That's I think that's another thing that they're looking at when they're building back up this organization. Yeah, speed is going to be a, a crucial part. They, they, they've gotten faster, but maturity, Army talked about it yesterday. Is this, close, is this group close in maturity just yet? And if you look at 2019, there was a lot of heartache started in 2010. We had some great teams that couldn't get through. We lost, uh, you know, to the defending the Stanley Cup champions, I think, uh, four times in that time, twice to Chicago, twice to L.A. Uh, so th- those were teams that were growing. To think that we're, we're nowhere near the maturity level of, of that team right now, but we're growing towards that. They're growing towards it. And and when you have a lot of young players on your roster, it, it's going to take some time. You're going to have to have that veteran leadership. And maybe that's where you have a, a Colton Pareko come in and be the, the the guy that can be that voice, that sounding board for, for guys to bounce things off of and have people listen and, and be the guy that is going to, you know, you're, you're, you're a Stanley Cup champion. You're a guy that has been here. You've got the contract under your belt. You're good to go for, for years to come. If you're not if 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 you're not performing at the level that that some people think you need to perform at, there are other things that you can bring as a veteran leader to a team, and that can be that voice of reason, that sound voice that that is getting guys to to be pushed and go in the right direction. And so maybe he is one of those guys that is able to do that for this younger team as they're they're making their transition to a faster but younger team. Well, and also another guy that I think that they are really looking at as a leader is Robert Thomas as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, Robert Thomas already wearing the A, right? Young guy. And it seems like they really look to him to be kind of a future leader for this group. But how soon is that future? That's the big question. And I don't think, and, and look, I'm not in the locker room when they're having all those discussions and stuff. He seems like he's been in that position before. He's been a captain before and in his younger days, he seems to have that leader presence. And I think that they're looking for him to also mature more in that area where he can take over that more. But it is moments like this when he's bringing up maturity. When you listen to Army say that, you're like, yeah, that makes you miss Ryan O'Reilly a lot, right? Yeah. Because Ryan O'Reilly was kind of more of that voice of reason. He was a great leader, vocal leader on and off the ice and somebody that a lot of players you, you would want to aspire to. Yeah, I think Robert did a great job last week. We asked some tough questions for him, uh, or was it two weeks ago? We asked him some tough questions, and he was able to answer them in a manner that, you know, I think is 
what captains do, what leaders do. Didn't shy away from how poorly they were playing. You know, stood in front of it, said, it's on me. I have to be better. I have to hold my teammates accountable. And, you know, we're, we're going to get better. And I think as a, as a young man, he's not a young player, but he's still a young man. Once you get five years, four or five years into the league, you're pretty much a veteran, but he's still a young man, still learning that role. So I think he's going to grow into that. He's got the, the years to, and the time to, to learn and figure out how to get it done in the right way. I think he's also a good guy for, for this team to follow because I think he'll lead them in the right direction. Also, another guy who has really impressed me that I feel like has emerged more as a vocal leader as well is Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, he's been fantastic for them this season on the ice. And you could tell that he really expects a lot from the guys and really pushes them. I think that that's also somebody else that you look to that says, okay, this is another guy that we have kind of in our leadership group and somebody that we see moving forward that can help lead this team as well. That kind of more mature presence. Right. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we have the fight, and we need a fighter. And somehow, yesterday, I got coaxed by these two Ooh. into not having any options other than one. Randy the standard style. is set. So if you want to have a fight with me with not many options, you text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. The fight is next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley alongside Carrie Davis. And we also have joining us today, Jonah. Jonah is stepping into the fight. Now, Jonah, I have to warn you, Carrie Davis was swinging yesterday. Really didn't need much help. Kind of set a standard there and just kind of blew through the competition. How are you feeling going into this one, Jonah? Uh, a little nervous, but uh, I can do it. I'm ready. All right, you just have to you got to shake it off, you yeah, know. It's a war you of attrition. It's a war of attrition now, Jonah, cuz again, he only he only gets the options from one cuz he he went and got the jack yesterday. So, it's a war of attrition. You, you got to be thinking just two out of four might get you through at least to a tiebreaker today. Got it. I'm ready. There you go. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started, Jonah. All right, question number 1. Cooper Cup put the second 1900 plus yard receiving campaign in NFL history. Who was the first to ever do it? Calvin Johnson. Isaac Bruce, Jerry Rice. Uh, Calvin Johnson. All right. Today would have been today, happy birthday to Lynn Swan, and also today would have also been another Steelers Hall of Famer's birthday, Franco Harris. We're a Steelers show now, so let's get into some history. Who is the leading receiver in Pittsburgh Steelers history? Is that Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, or Heinz Ward? Oh, um, I'm going to go with Heinz Ward. Which STL native was drafted with the highest draft pick in the NBA draft? Jason Tatum, Steve Stepanovich, or Jim Krebs? Uh, Jason Tatum. All right, and there's only one Cardinal player with over 200 hits in a single season since Willie McGee's 216 in his MVP-winning 1985 campaign. Who is it? Is it Matt Carpenter, Vince Coleman, or Albert Pujols? I believe it was Matt Carpenter. All right, All right, Jonah. How are you feeling? 
not great, but we'll see. Not great. You get, you just have to be you got to be confident, right? Fake it till you make right. it. That's that's the way it goes sometimes. So what? How is your that's morning going? Other than that, it's going well. I'm on my way to work, so I just pulled off on the side of the road and <laughs> doing the fight. I like how you made sure to say that you pulled off on the side of the road. So at least you're you're prioritizing safety while driving into work and making sure to. Try to take on Carrie. You're in such the fight a better today. person than I am, and most of the people. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's no way I'm pulling Good over job. the side of the road when I call people and stuff like that. Good for you, Jonah. All right, yeah. Carrie. This is Jonah. He is your fighter today, and he is ready. Good morning, Jonah. How are you? I'm good, Carrie. How are you? I am doing well. I I will. I'll let you know in a few minutes. I'm doing. <laughs> All right, so just to set the record straight, no options, right? He gets, one, I get, he gets to I get ask one, for the options on one. 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 He okay. Ask okay. for the options on one. All right, we'll go ahead and get started then. I don't know how this happened. You know exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Cocky. Question number one Cooper Cup put up the second 1,900 plus yard receiving campaign in NFL history. Who was the first to ever do it? Oh. Feel like I feel like I know this. Calvin Johnson. Um, you got Randy Moss. You got and that Jerry Rice never did 1900. Tim Brown never did it. I I feel ninth. What was the number again? 1900. 1900 plus. I feel like it was Calvin Johnson. Is the person. He either beat the record or, or came just shy of it. I'm going to go with Calvin Johnson because that's the name that is in my head in this moment. Carrie, it's a great day to be a Steeler, apparently to be born a Steeler, as it's happy birthday to both Lynn Swan and it would have been Franco Harris's birthday as uh, well, born on the same day, yeah. those Steelers Hall of Famers. Being a Steelers show, let's get into some history. Who is the leading receiver in Steelers franchise history? Oh. The leading receiver in Steelers franchise history. Hines has 1,000 catches exactly. Is he the leader in receiving yards? I feel like Hines Ward is the leader in receiving yards. I don't think Lynn Swan, Stonworth, I don't think they threw the ball nearly enough. Who else would be Hines with I'm going to go Heinz Ward. All right. Question number three. Which STL native was drafted with the highest pick in the NBA draft? Well, Jason was a number two overall. Bradley was not number. Have we ever had a number one draft pick would be the question. And I... Rock, if you're going back to like 1965, we're gonna have a have an issue, sir. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna need the options on the last question, and I don't want to use them. This is stressful. Uh, Second to last question. Yeah, anyway, yeah. No, I feel like I'm gonna need them on the last question, so I don't want to use it here. My gut tells me it's Jason Tatum because I think he was second. Overall, I don't know who else I could be missing. I'm a prisoner of the moment, clearly, because I'm not going back any further than just a few years ago. So let's go with Jason Tatum. All right. I have to, sorry, I, I forgot I had to read four. Uh, <laughs> there's only one Cardinal player with over 200 hits in a single season since Willie McGee did it in 1985. Who, 
Who is it? Give me the options. I knew I was going to need the options. <laughs> Matt Carpenter, okay. Vince Coleman, or Albert Pujols? Oh, 200 hits since 1985. My first thought was Matt Carpenter. Did he have a 200-hit season? I don't know that Vince had 200 hits. Let's... I, I, I want to go Albert because I feel like he would be the machine that did it. But my heart is telling me Matt because he hit the ball a lot in a few years. I'm going to go with Albert, though. Albert Pujols is going to be my answer. Carrie was jumping between answers. I told Jonah he needed to get at least two right because of the situation with your with your uh, options today, Carrie. Yes. That's how many Jonah got, got right. <laughs> Was it enough to take down Carrie Davis? And is he going to get a call from Randy Carricker later tonight? I hope not. <laughs> or did he somehow win another championship that's going to go right up next to his Lombardi trophy? Yes. Another win in the fight. Was Carrie <laughs> able to do it? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Jonah. He got you on the very last question. You got two right. Carrie just eked out that third one for a win today. I'm sorry, Jonah. That's okay. Good job, Kerry. Good yeah, job, That was a tough one for Kerry, and he did an impressive job getting three right with only one option. Oh, Cooper man. Cup put up the second 1,900-yard receiving campaign in NFL history. Calvin Johnson was the record setter, still is the record setter, as Cooper Cup fell about 20 yards short of his. Happy birthday to Lynn Swan, and it would have been Franco Harris's birthday as well. We're a Steelers show now, so let's learn a little history. Yeah, it is, in fact, Heinz Ward, 1,000 catches, just over 10,000 yards. Uh, John Stallworth finished with over 8,500 yards in his career. Lynn Swan with 5,500 yards yeah. in his career a little bit further behind our good friend Hines. Which STL native was drafted with the highest pick in the NBA draft? Kerry, here's the problem. Uh, you got Tatum's draft number wrong. Third. He was drafted third. Yeah. Jack uh, Jim Krebs back in the 60s was drafted third. Bradley Beal was drafted third. The only St. Louisan to be drafted higher. DeSmet's own Steve Stepanovich was drafted number oh, two yeah. overall. I remember him. Big old Steepo, number two overall, highest drafted STL what, native. What year? Uh, that was 1982, yeah. I think. I was one years old. I remember <laughs> watching that draft. Doesn't mean you can't have any respect for it. 1983, watching, 1983, excuse me. I was me. two. I was watching that draft with my mom, and we were yeah, having good fun. Do you know yeah. who Ralph Sampson is? Yes. Well, he was the number one overall pick. Okay, you can't say well. anything then. There you go. <laughs> There's only one Cardinal player with only over 200 hits in a single season since William McGee's 260. In 1985, and I'm sorry about this one, Jonah. Matt Carpenter had 199 Ooh. in his third year in the league. It is only Albert Pujols in 2003 who hit 213. So I'm sorry, Jonah. Just on that last one, Kerry was able to get you with a 3-2 win. Thank you so much for joining the fight and the show today. Of course. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thank good job, Jonah. you. And thank you for safe driving, too. That was Indeed. great. Indeed. He literally pulled over so that he could play the game. Terry, you would not be able to name the overwhelming majority of people in this 1983 NBA draft. I probably bad. Wouldn't. Yeah. Steepo, Byron Scott. Yeah, Byron Scott. Uh, like Clyde Drexler, John no, Sunvold. There's two Mizzou peoples in the first round, and that's pretty much it. Eh, not, a good, not a great draft. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have known that one. I, I thought Tatum was second 
Third but I, I thought he might have been third as well. Eh, that's close. <laughs> wow. No respect for the smell. I see how it is. <laughs> I'm, not really. I'm okay with All it. All right. <laughs> I know you are. Coming up next, the Blues have had a little bit of a shift in their style of play. We'll dig into it a little bit more with Darren Payne when we return on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley as we are efforting on Darren Pang. Brooke, we were talking about the the changes and the shifts in this Blues club, and they've added some new players. You got Kasperi Kapanen. You got Yakub Vrana, who should be Yakub Vrana. My my apologies. We just, so everybody knows, we just Jacob learned. Is, okay, here yes. we go. Let's, let's hear it. It's, it's Jacob, yeah. For, it's probably easier for you guys. It's Yakub, but yeah. Okay. People have been calling me Jacob, though. <laughs> Yakub or Jacob for, for on this show we're gonna call him hey mama called him Yakub we're that's gonna call what him Yakub so seeing what he's uh, capable of what he brings to the lineup I think he's gonna get his opportunity tonight for the first time in a Blues uniform it's gonna be exciting to see really this new look new look Blues team and and how their style as you talked about has shifted from the 2019 team to what they are right now yeah and here's the thing with Ron I think his Obviously, his past has been made very public, been made very clear that he went through that whole program with the NHL and all that stuff. Of course, we don't know the details. We don't need to know all the details of exactly what happened. But at the same time, I was listening to last night, he was speaking for the first time. He really sees this as a fresh restart, a way to really reprove himself to not only you know the Blues, but also to the NHL in general, that he deserves to be here. So I think that he's not taking that very lightly. Of course, we'll have to see if that translates to performance on the ice, but it seems like he's saying the right things where he is looking at this as a restart, refresh, looking at this to help him, but also the Blues. Because even Army said, as we've been talking about, Doug Armstrong was saying that, you know, next year starts now for the Blues. Right. They're looking at now, the guys now, what they're capable of doing, how that fix, fits into their plan for next year. Yeah, you got a couple of guys, him and and Kasperi Kapanen, a guy that was waived by the Pir- by the Pirates, <laughs> by the Penguins, um, and and coming in and, and has an opportunity to really prove himself. I think when you get guys that, you know, have been traded or released and, and you're essentially having teams say, we no longer want to deal with you. In in Vrana's situation, the, the Red Wings decided to even – take half of the salary and, and pay half of his salary so the Blues only had to pay the other half. You got a couple of guys here that have, you know, been maybe pushed to the side, pushed away and and having an opportunity to rebound in an organization that, you know, has had some stability. I think it's a great opportunity for them and I think if if Rana does uh, has the right mindset and comes out there with the with the right type of play and right style of play. I think you're going to see great things from him. We've seen very, very, very solid sound play from Kasperi Kappen in his first few games, showing some some flashes of some some really skillful skill sets that we haven't seen so far this year. So I'm excited to see what what Vrana has on the table, what he's able to bring to this Blues hockey team because you know obviously you want to be able to score goals. You got to be able to score goals. I think the one thing that that we're going to also need to see is the effort on the defensive end, just getting back, back checking and doing all of the things that you need to do to be a great teammate. It'll be really interesting to see, especially facing the Coyotes tonight. And it, 
the way that the Blues are playing right now, it's it's definitely going to be what are these younger guys going to do? How do how does Verona fit into this situation? How does Kasperi fit into the situation? Because honestly, with the way that it looks, with Dar- with what Doug Armstrong has done, it was very kind of in some ways low risk when I'm talking about financially. Mm-hmm. But there is a risk of these guys not panning out because they didn't pan out with their other teams. Yeah. You, so you, you hope you're banking on this is 100% going to be a fresh restart. Right. Because, but you also didn't take as much of a financial hit on that. So that is a positive to come right. out of it as well. Yeah. It's a, it's an, it's a, you're, you're taking a chance on guys. Like I said, when you get traded or you get released, that's essentially the other team saying, we, we've done all we can do here. Uh, we need to move in a different direction. And, and, you know, in, in a situation where, our guys left. It was it was financial, right? They didn't have. They were going to be unrestricted free agents. They didn't have the opportunity, or didn't feel that they had the opportunity to re-sign them. And so now you get guys coming in that have been waived in Kasperi Kapanen's situation. You have a guy in Yakovrana who was a first round pick, a thirteenth overall, who's been on a couple of ball clubs, a couple of teams, a couple of hockey teams, and is having an opportunity in his third stop to really see if he's going to stick in the league and has had some some off the ice issues that he's had to deal with. So you're getting guys here that hopefully have the right mindset, hopefully understand that the worst thing as a as a player is is really not having a place to play or not having a team that wants you, not having a home. And so now you got a couple of guys that are wanted. They were signed here, um, brought in, and have an opportunity to play some some good minutes for a team that is really young. There's not there's not a lot of 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 I guess veteran in terms of guys that have won won Stanley Cups and, and that are have been here. So now you you have an opportunity right now to show who you are, what you are, and potentially set yourself up for, for the future. Two other guys that I'm going to be looking at tonight outside of Vrana and Kasperi that we've been talking about is Pavel Buchnevich and Robert Thomas. Pavel Buchnevich has been fantastic. And, I mean, he has a five-game point streak going on right now. He's been exceptional since returning from his lower body injury. The way that he has really stepped up has been been very impressive. Also, Robert Thomas has mm-hmm. also been stepping up as well, too. Not that he hasn't all season, but I'm saying especially there's so many times that I've, I feel like maybe this is just me, and I'm sure that other fans can chime on this as well, where there's times where you're watching Robert Thomas. He is, of course, an elite passer. That's what he's great at, right? He's a centerman. He should be doing that. But there's also times where there's chances where he could possibly, he has a great look of possibly scoring, and he passes because he's looking for a guy to get open to give them the shot. I feel like we're starting to see him kind of somewhat changed that a little bit. He logged his 15th goal of the season on Saturday night in L.A., and he has four points in his last four games. Right. That's somebody who's stepping up, seeing, mm-hmm. okay, we're looking at next season now. Well, I'm going to show you a little preview of what's going to come from me this coming season. And don't forget, guys, his payday, his big payday, <laughs> kicks in next season as well <laughs> for him and yeah. Jordan Cairo. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of money. When you're, when you're looking at the defenseman, Brooke, is there anyone in particular that you, you want to see more from or, or need to see more from uh, as, as we finish out this season? I feel like everybody's always going to go back to Colton Pareko. I think, I think that with Pareko, it's, it's still... I don't know. It, there's been times where he's looked like the defenseman that you want, that top defenseman. But then there's other times where he looks lost. And that's mm-hmm. what's concerned me is I would just love to see a little bit more consistency out of him. Um, other than that, I mean, with the other guys, they're kind of doing what you, 
I would feel like expect them to do. Tyler Tucker is going to be really interesting to me to see how he handles this extra pressure, this extra ice time, because now the Blues are pretty much saying, as we look ahead, we're looking at you. Yeah. How are you going to handle this? Yeah. I think Marco Scandella also is, is a guy that I want to keep an eye on. I just want to see guys playing with effort, playing with energy, and having doing the things that are needed to do to win games. So even though you know you're you're a young team right now, you're you're not projected to win many games down the stretch. Losing is contagious, and if you if you build a loser mindset, even if it's you know only 15, 18 games left, it can carry over into the next season. So. Finding ways to win or at least be competitive to where you're not getting blown out, I think is going to be extremely important for this team as they head down the stretch. It will be. And it's the youth movement. It is. Everything's moving forward now. Yep. You can catch the Blues tonight at 7 p.m. pregame versus the Coyotes game. Puck drops at 8 p.m. Your time check is 8.57, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Coming up, Jack Flaherty got his first start of the spring. We saw some good things yesterday. We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Live from the Car Shield Studio, this is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. For me, the reason I'm so excited about Jack this year is because he's actually had his first true normal offseason in really three years. And he comes in this camp feeling healthy, feels like he's in a good place with his mechanics, and from a strength standpoint, I think he's never been stronger. Buckled his knees with that breaking ball. You don't see that happen too often to a hitter the caliber of Jose Altuve. That was President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock, talking about Jack Flaherty and his offseason regimen and having an opportunity to really dig in this offseason for the first time. Uh, Brooke, we are expecting big things from, from Jack Flaherty this season. Had a very good start yesterday. Started off a little bit shaky, walking a few runners, uh, a few hitters, getting a few runners on base, but has an opportunity, if healthy, to potentially be one of the best players in baseball. What do you think the the true outcome for, for Jack Flaherty this season and what is going to be needed from him in order for this Cardinals franchise to have a successful season? Man, if I could a- answer that first question, <laughs> then I need to go buy a lottery ticket, huh? I mean, the expectations are high for him. And I think that the Cardinals have made that really clear that they're looking to him to be their ace. They're looking at him to at least be the front, the 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 beginning, the ace, that ace slice stuff from him for that starting rotation. It's just gonna be a question of if he can stay healthy or not. I think what what Mosellock said there was very important. This is his first really true spring training that he's had in a while. I think a lot of people also forget how funky that whole COVID situation was, yeah. especially for the pitchers. Pitchers are very routine with the way that they go about things and even how they prep going into the season. That was all thrown off. I don't think it was a coincidence that we saw a lot of pitchers with injuries because of that funky spring training, even the offseason going into it, because the offseason was a little bit different, too, because they didn't have access to everything like they did before, because you also had the lockout on top of that as well, too. So you saw a lot more injuries. I don't think that that is a coincidence. But with Jack Flaherty yesterday, yes, it was a little shaky at first, but when he settled in, it was the Jack Flaherty that you needed and you hope to see more of 
this season. Now, would I have liked to see him go more than three innings? Yes, but of course, it's just spring training, and there's <laughs> there's you know a regimen to this. But the fact that he was able to settle in and really find his pace, I think, was very important for him mm-hmm. and for us to see as well. Because if we can see a fully healthy Jack Flaherty this season, who wouldn't want that in your starting rotation? Because he has <laughs> ace-like stuff. We know that. Mm-hmm. And he has that swing and miss stuff, which we definitely saw this past postseason, how important it is to have a starting pitcher with that ability to do that. Randy said it a couple of times. You know, he, he was he was sitting there talking with with uh, Rick Hummel a few months ago, and it was, they they were talking about all these variables of the Cardinals, and it came kind of down to it all just ha- matters what happens with Jack Flaherty this yeah. year. So is that is that too much of a simplified look at the Cardinals, or are you guys with that same mindset, which is Cardinals in twenty twenty three go as the health of Jack Flaherty goes? I think it's going to count on more just a little bit more than Jack Flaherty. I can't. I don't think it's going to all be on Jack Flaherty's mm-hmm. shoulders, but. Because they do have depth. Now, is it the ace-like stuff? Does everybody have that, what Jack Flaherty has? No. But I think if Jack Flaherty is fully healthy, that is kind of your piece that you need to go further than you have been in recent years in the postseason. We see how big of a difference maker it is. Yeah. Jim Bowden, writer for The Athletic, has his 10 players who could be comeback player of the year candidates. He has Jack Flaherty at number four. Bowden wrote he visited the Cardinals camp in Jupiter, Florida this week. Flaherty told him he was feeling great physically, but was sore all over, which was good because it's a result of working hard and getting back into shape. He threw two innings on the backfield on Tuesday and said everything went well. Flaherty, in Bowden's opinion, could be the difference this year for the Cardinals in terms of winning their division, going far in the playoffs. When healthy, he's the best starting pitcher. He's made only 23 starts over the past two seasons because of right shoulder injuries and an oblique injury. In 2019, he pitched at an ace level, posting a 2.75 ERA in 33 starts, striking out 231 in 196 and one-third innings, and leading the league in a .968 whip. Can he stay off the injured list and return to the symbol, resemble the pitcher that he once was? That is the question that Jim Bowden has, and I think that's really the main question for for all of Cardinal fans. We've seen it from Jack Flaherty. We've also seen the injuries, and and I think when you start to have the nagging shoulder, elbow injuries, things of that nature as a pitcher, it it it, it scares folks. So I think if a if a healthy Jack Flaherty showing what he's shown us in the past, I, I would love Brooke. You said he's not going to have a stint on the IL. That would mean thirty to thirty five starts. Correct. You are you are. That's the number you're going to go with. Hopefully, if he gets thirty to thirty five starts, Brooke, we are we are number one team in the in the NL Central, and we are close closer to a hundred games uh, won than not. That that's my personal opinion about how how important Jack Flaherty is for this Cardinals team. Well, and there there's no doubt about it. And as I mentioned earlier, Flaherty mentioned how important it was for him and also the starting pitching staff to hear that the Cardinals say, look, we're, we didn't go out and get a pitcher during free agency. We are banking on you guys to succeed. I think that that also gives a lot of confidence to players, too. I think that gives a lot of confidence to Jack Flaherty as well. This is a huge year for him. I don't think we need 
Uh, he doesn't need to hear it from us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to hear it from fans. He knows. He knows how big of the year this is. If he wants a big contract, then he knows he has to prove his worth, and he has to be fully healthy this season as well, too. Right. I, I mean, that's how much bigger does it get than that? And I feel like with Jack Flair, he likes those big moments. He likes performing on big stages, and that's this is it. This is This entire season is your chance to show – I deserve this big contract. I do want to be here. Or you could deserve a yeah. big contract elsewhere because we see how the Mets like to sign these big giant contracts <laughs> and come up with like, it feels like mon- monopoly money at times right. to throw up players. <laughs> but it, it will be really interesting to see how healthy he can stay. I mean, as I mentioned, it was a little shaky at first, but his fastball was popping between like 92, 94. Mm-hmm. That sounds good to me. Right. He he's a he is a he is a guy that I said he, he is an ace if healthy. Bowden also went on to say he talked with president of baseball operations John Moselak outside the Cardinals clubhouse and asked about Flaherty and and Moselak said although optimistic Moselak was cautious in his comments and reminded me that the right hander only threw 36 innings last year. Keep your fingers crossed, St. Louis fans. If Flaherty becomes the NL player comeback player of the year, the Cardinals could have multiple champagne celebrations in October. This is from Jim Bowden from the. The athletic that's how important Jack Flaherty is he he is he is your ace and which is the part of the reason why the Cardinals didn't need to go out and sign another pitcher I, I they they felt that a healthy Mats a healthy uh Wayne Wright and Michaelis and Montgomery alongside of a ace in Jack Flaherty is the starting rotation that you need to be a championship ball club and so you know if healthy and and I if is one of potential and if are two very dangerous words in sports because you, it's just the unknown. You don't know if a guy is going to stay healthy. You don't know if the potential is going to pan out. And so right now with Jack Flaherty, the fact that he is able to get through a workout, feel the soreness, and feel good about the soreness is telling you that he's ready. He he's probably in the right mindset for the first time in a long time, and hopefully, you know, not having to have rushed back to get back to playing baseball is going to be a good thing for him. It will be interesting to see. if it, That's like the million-dollar question, right? If it will work out. And look, it is just one start. It is just one start. So don't, don't tell I think us we, we have to temper don't know that expectations. I know, and it's Come one on. start, overreact. three innings. Come on. What are we doing here? We're going to overreact. This is Cardinals baseball, Brooke. Come on now. <laughs> one start, three innings you, of work. So I, are, I'm Jordan, fully aware of that. Jordan Walker took Johnny Cueto yard one time, and, 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 and he we was going to be a Hall of Famer. Listen, you want to hear an overreaction? He, this this texter texted and said, we will be number one in the NL Central if we start the Redbird roster. Redbirds roster. It's the NL Central. Oh, my God. Texter from the 573. That, that's, that's a bit of an overreaction, no? I think so. We, we had a similar thought from the five seven three. Uh, the NL Central is so weak that we don't need Flaherty to win it. We've already proven that. Uh, that was from the three one four. Here's the thing, though: they're not going to be playing as many NL Central games. I, that's I, I think the schedule change isn't as big of a deal because you still pull the AL Central as the most as the team you play the most now in the AL. The AL Central is also fairly weak. Yeah, so but, the but, the actual strength of schedule for the Cardinals isn't going to get that much more difficult this year. I think that's being a little bit overreactive, but I also do think you have to look at the fact that um, I think the Cubs are going to be better than they were last year. Yes. I think the Brewers are still going to be a thorn in their side. They made some weird moves, but I still think the Brewers are going to be an 85-win team and aren't going to fall back from the Cardinals. You're still going to be thinking about the Brewers come July when we're talking about the trade deadline. So, I, I again, I understand the thoughts here on the Cardinals fans, but 
if Jack Flaherty is healthy, like Jim Bowden said, like like Randy Carricker has said, it completely changes it and adds in that one thing that so many of our Tigers complain about. Do they have that extra little bit to go from winning one series to winning multiple in the playoffs? Well, I personally love the more balanced schedule because also you can't just rely on winning a bunch of games against the Pirates down the stretch. You kind of have to play a little <laughs> bit better. You're not going to have to, you know, you're not going to face the Reds as much. I, I like the fact that you're going to be able to see different teams more. I think that's great. I agree with you. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Mike Claiborne is coming up next. He's been in Jupiter, Florida. We'll get his thoughts on the importance of Jack Flaherty and how great he needs to be this season for the Cardinals to have a great season. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Randy Carricker is out for the week, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk to our great friend, Mike Claiborne. Claves, how are you doing this morning? Kerry, um, I'm not sure if it gets any better. I'm playing really well right now on the golf course. and uh, You're on the course I'm right now. Happy. I'm playing right now. I just shot out a hole because I wanted to talk to two of my favorite people. Brooke, congratulations and welcome. Thank you, Claves. Thank you so much. You've been you've been a great supporter of mine for so many years. So this is great talking you know, to you. You're gonna have a lot of fun with this. Those two jokers you're working with every day, they show up looking to have a good time, and, and they they're gonna insist you have it too. So have fun with it. We, Thank we, you. We do have fun, Claves. We were reading an article by Jim Bowden of the Athletic, who writes about Jack Flaherty potential being comeback player of the year, has him at number four, and he wrote that if the Cardinals, if Jack Flaherty is he does become the comeback player of the year. The Cardinals could have multiple champagne celebrations in October. Mike, Claves, is it that simple for this Cardinals team? Do they go just as Jack Flaherty goes? If he's as good as advertised, can they be champions this year? Yeah, they could. You know, good pitching is contagious, man. And when your best pitcher is really good, then guess what? Everybody else shows up trying to keep up. Yep. And, and we saw a little bit of that yesterday with uh, Jack getting off to a great start. And then here comes Steven Matt. I don't think he had a foul ball out of the infield mm-hmm. yesterday. I mean, so when you think about those two, but, you know, the, the Jack Flaherty thing was very encouraging yesterday. Um, it, it was almost like with each inning he was doing something different. The first inning he was just trying to get a feel. Mm-hmm. Second inning he was, you know, using all of his pitches. And the third inning he was basically saying, all right, situational, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to go after a guy. And the way he and Wilson Contreras were working together yesterday, that might be the chemistry of, of all chemistries, uh, the way those two were working. And I know they, they he's caught them on the backfields, but um, I talked to Wilson for a little bit yesterday, and he was very happy with Jack's development and is uh, looking forward to working with him. So uh, good, good day yesterday. Again, it's the first day, right. small sample size. But can you imagine, Kerry, if he'd have given up four runs and yeah. six hits? Can you imagine what it, what the show would be like today? Oh, <laughs> we would be it would be anarchy, Claves. You, would, you, would have, you and Brooke would have to wear a helmet. Okay, I mean, it would be that that rough around there, man. Claves, you talked about Wilson Contreras and and his importance. How, there's been some concern about him being able to. Uh, hold a pitching staff accountable, do his job in the manner that Yachty did. Do you think he's going to have any issues with that this season? No, no, I I really don't. That's a great question because 
you know, we always saw him from the other side, but I've watched him really go out of his way to communicate with guys and try and be on the same page and, and ask questions, watches a lot of video. And I, I think the plus for him is the fact that, you know, he's faced all these guys before. Right. So now he has a chance to peel off that next layer to learn about them as people. Uh, I think he's the right catcher for this team. And there were some other guys out there. You know, you heard me talk about Sean Murphy. I thought he would be a very good addition. But the more you're around Wilson Contreras, the more you say, yep, this is the guy for us. And, and I say that because of his experience against the Cardinals. So he, he'd have a better feel than any of the other catchers who were available in the offseason. Klaibs, Dylan Carlson also has been a hot topic this morning. Do you still think that he's fighting for his life to be in the Cardinals lineup? What are your thoughts on his progression? Obviously, he had a decent day yesterday, right? Yeah, he did, Brooke. You know, he hit a home run from the left side, hooray, (laughs) uh, into the wind. And if you know anything about Roger Dean, at this time of the year, the wind blows in, and uh, it's a pitcher's ballpark. It's a pitcher's ballpark. But he's having some better swings. Um, you know, he's still trying to find his load with regard to when he raises that foot and how how much he raises that right foot uh, before he swings. But you know what? Yeah, I, I would say that he's in a battle. I think he's in a battle. But but here's the thing: Tyler O'Neill hasn't set the world on fire when he was here. I, I think he was what two for twelve or three, you know he he was hitting under two hundred, uh, no home runs. So you know, in, in Lars Newbar was just having a so-so spring. Now, granted, they have very small sample sizes, but, you know, Dylan Carlson is no worse or no better than those two right now. All right, so big question for you now. I know I that you know say that flag, is. Day, yeah, flag <laughs> day is the is. real opening day, right? That's what you always yeah, you say. So right. I want you to tell me, what do you think the opening day Cardinals outfield will look like and what will the flag day Cardinals outfield look like? Well, the flag day lineup will look different than the opening day because Jordan Walker will be on the flag day roster <laughs> if he continues at this pace. And, and here's here's the thing. If Carlson or one of the other guys gets hot in the spring, then, you know, Jordan Walker needs to go somewhere and play. I don't think he's a guy that can sit here and watch. He's got to go somewhere and play. And remember, he never played in AAA. Uh, and the reason why I'm, I'm good with that, I, I love their manager and their coaching staff in, in Memphis, so they'll get him even closer to being ready. But I don't think we'll see it unless somebody has an ouchie or a boo-boo and has a hamstring pull <laughs> like Bobby Bonilla, then I really see them just trying to say, let's keep him somewhere where he can continue to grow. Um, but, you know, when you look at him now, this last week, here's what I always remind people of. You know, he's seeing a lot of fastballs, maybe a few change-ups, but he's not seeing a team that's game plan for him. He's not having a chance to truly adjust between pitches. And, and it's not that he can't do it. I think he's a very bright guy. I think he has a real good baseball IQ. But I think he's going to have to go through that in order to really assess where he's at and where he needs to be. Well, you know the follow-up question is, okay, if he's in by flag day, then who's out? Well, somebody might go down with an injury, or you may have to make a deal. So here's the thing, and here's the other the other item. You may have somebody of that group that still has options where maybe he goes to the minors if he's not playing well. Um, but you also need to take into account about this. Uh, you have a dearth of talent on the infield and the outfield that teams would be kicking the tires for to try and maybe make a deal with. 
Now, I know at the beginning of the year, everybody said, we got to get a starter. we got to get an ace. And you still might. You know, I mean, there's, you never have enough pitching. But I think you're in a real prime position right now where you can go out and, and wait for something to come up and you have the assets to move to get yourself a prize player that can really help your team down the stretch. We're visiting with Mike Claiborne, who is somewhere on a golf course in Florida, and we are <laughs> extremely jealous. Claibs, when you look at uh, th- this this outfield, it's packed with a lot of players. One name that, that continues to come up, Moises Gomez. What are your thoughts about him, and does he have a potential, any potential to make a, a, a push for, for a spot in that outfield? Well, you know, Kerry, when you hit 39 home runs in the minors, you have to pay attention to him, all right? <laughs> right. But, but we haven't seen that power yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's hitting for average. I mean, he's not a bad hitter. Uh, he's got a couple of holes in his swing. I think I know how to pitch him if we if we had to face him. But you know, I think the fact because he doesn't really have a defensive position. Uh, if you ask anybody what's his best position, they tell you batter's box. Uh, he made a really good play yesterday, though, in the outfield. Uh, but I don't know if he's a guy if, unless he starts exerting a lot of power. He too is a guy that you probably want to make sure has more bats in the minors. Hey, uh, Clay, before we get you out of here, I want to ask your thoughts about what you saw about with John Morant over the past couple of days from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, just making some some really poor decisions and, and been suspended indefinitely by his ball club. What do you think about this? Well, you know what? First of all, you're right. He's made some poor decisions, and I think that has a lot to do with his crew. And I'll start with his family. You know, I mean, this is a guy that you have to – invest in and you know as a parent and, and I'm one and carry you one mm-hmm. you know sometimes you, you can't be your kid's best friend right you know you got to draw a line and say hey look is that a smart thing to do and you have to think about the people you associate yourself with now these are his his crew his guys from back in the day and I get that but it, it's it's your money not their money and it's your status not their status and you really have to do a better job of, of surrounding yourself with positive situations and security because in this day and age going out, man, you know, you're taking a lot of things in your own hand by how people treat you in public. Uh, I'm glad he stepped forward and acknowledged that maybe there's some things he should be doing differently uh, because this thing can get off the tracks really quick and we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think because the NBA and I commend the NBA, you know, they don't mess around, man. You get in trouble with one of them, they're they going to climb up your tree to the point where there won't be a leaf on the branch. But in the <laughs> NBA's case, they are very adamant. And I don't know, uh, for like the rookie orientation, you have to go. It's like two days, maybe three, and they take you through every off-court scenario you can imagine, whether it's uh, having a posse, uh, promiscuous women, people trying to take your money, and they go through it. And if you don't go, there is a huge fine to you and your team. They don't mess around. So the NBA prepares their players as well as any of the team sports that I see with regard to the, the temptations and the challenges that you're going to face. Now, with regard to uh, Morant, here's the biggest challenge I think the NBA has. What do you do? Do you suspend them for an extended period of time? Because now you put that team in peril for postseason play mm-hmm. as far as a, a playoff spot. So you're going to punch the whole team for the act of one individual who is contrite by his action. So maybe it's not as lengthy. You can't get in these guys' pockets, man. I mean, these guys make so much money, you can only find them so much. But there's got to be some middle ground here to just to let you know that the NBA has their fingerprints on this and to let you know and to let everybody else who's even thinking about this, this is not a good idea. 
And when John Morant goes to this counseling thing, he might want to take his parents with him too. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, Clay. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you get back to your round of golf. Hope you have a great week, and we'll talk Man, to you next I'm week. I'm having a great round, so I'm, <laughs> I'm good, bro. You know, it, it, can only go, it can only go downhill from here, so I'm having fun. Uh, Brooke, I'm looking forward to talking to you every Tuesday. Carrie, we got to catch up when I get back. You know, you guys still, you know, spring training still open. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we've been talking about it every day. We, we would love uh, to be down there. Yes. We're going to have to make a trip. All right, we'll, we'll speak to management about that. <laughs> we will do that. Thank you, Clay. Right. Thank you. Guys you have a great week. You Thank too. You. That was Mike Claiborne joining us from Jupiter, Florida, and you know, great insight on the Cardinals baseball. Really, insight on everything. Claves is a a man of the people. He's he knows he everything and everyone. So man of many hats, yes, talents. Yes. Also, very jealous of being in Florida. I felt like we had Florida weather yesterday, and then now it's <laughs> it was it's cold. Ridiculous today <laughs> when I woke up. 40, 40 degrees. It was so. Uh, frustrating for for all of us involved coming up next we have darren pang and we'll discuss a little bit of the blues style of play going forward and what they need to do that's next on the opening drive you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers we're talking everything st louis blues as we head into the blues booth presented by boardwalk hardwood floors a proud partner of your st louis blues find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and talk to our great friend, TV analyst for the Blues and TNT, Darren Pang. Panger, how are you doing this morning? Kerry, I'm doing fantastic. In total transparency, I slept in this morning. I <laughs> it's all good. We thought maybe you were taking Brucey for a walk and left your phone at the house. It, it, it happens. I've been in Arizona. I've been out west now for 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 long enough to get acclimated with this great time zone. I played golf yesterday. <laughs> had a wonderful dinner with old friends, and then my phone was on complete silent. My fault. My it, fault. It, it happens to the best of us, Panger. No problems. Hey, Panger, we were we were wondering about this Blues, kind of the style transition that they're going through from the 2019 team, more physical, more rugged, uh, just just really bigger guys doing more physical things, and now you're kind of going to more of a speed type of style from this team. What what is the transition going to be like, and, and how long does this transition generally take? Wow, it, it has been. It, listen, it has been challenging. We know that, and I think it started, you know, when when Patty Maroon and, and uh, he he went over to uh, you know to Tampa Bay. He was a huge part of the down low game. Uh, Tyler Bozak was a huge part of that same game, and I would say Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. So there's you know there's four guys right there, and so I, I think when you have two or three of them. St- you know, still around, you still want to play that game, but it's just not quite available to you. And obviously signing the long-term deals with, uh, with Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, the blues have become a better rush team, uh, but less consistency, less predictability. So that that's part of it. I mean, Kapanen's been a good player for us so far. Uh, Verona's going to play today. You'll see that he's got great speed. I think our fans will really enjoy watching him play. Um, and, and so the transition is now, I mean, it's happening. It's right in front of our eyes. Now it's about, you know, the coaching staff and the players all buying into this and, and seeing if we can't make it a more consistent game, game in and game out instead of what's been going on this year. Well, and Panger, you're around these guys, obviously, a lot. Who are you seeing that's kind of now emerging as the front runner or who is a leader in this group now that you don't have oh, Ryan O'Reilly there anymore? Yeah, well, that's just it. I, I mean, I would say for sure that uh, a guy like, 
you know, Braden Shen is an absolute leader on this team. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a guy for sure. I mean, I think when guys, you know, need some leadership and need some advice or need a kick in the pants, I think he's one to give it to him. And I think the other guy that's really emerging that maybe you don't see that as much, even though he's wearing a letter is Justin Falk. I think there's just a, sometimes I see him on the bench and there's a look on his face and there's a kind of a look towards players like, okay, let's go boys. Like this isn't good enough. So, I mean, those are certainly two guys. And you know what? I would say Robert Thomas. I think he's, He's really appreciated the A that's on his sweater. Um, the fact that they've given him that responsibility when maybe, you know, it hasn't been warranted just yet. Um, but that's part of the evolution. So uh, he says the right things. He really wants to be better. He hates that it's going this way. And he's always been a winner wherever he's gone. So uh, I, I would say Robert Thomas would be that that, that next layer of, of, of leaders right here. Well, as we talk about the new wave coming in and new guys coming in, we saw Kasperi Kapanen, obviously, and what he's doing right now. But now we'll finally see Jakob Vrana tonight. What can you say about him, and how do you think he's going to fit into this group? Yeah, Brooke, I, I, I mean, I, I'd have to think it's a new lease on life. I'm just listening to him, um, and, and you know what he said about departing Detroit, um, you know, going through the NHLPA substance abuse program, coming back and not getting a chance to be right on the NHL roster following that. He had to go down to the American Hockey League. Listen, he got waived through the entire league, and I think that disappointed him. And, uh, and so he goes down to Grand Rapids, and he's got to play. And I think that was the right thing to do from Detroit's point of view, to be quite honest with you. I think you've got to appreciate what you've got. You're working through some personal demons. You've got to fix that. You've got to make sure you're 100% before you come back to this league. And so now he's, you know, now he's part of a trade and he's, and he's with the Blues. I, and because he's got another year left on his deal, Brooke, I think that's a big part of it. If he just had this year left and the Detroit Red Wings are paying half of just one year's salary, um, then I, maybe it would just be a stopgap, and I'm not sure if we'd see his best. Uh, but he's on trial here, too, for the, with, with the general manager and with the coaching staff and with his own teammates. Um, it's a great deal for the Blues and a great gamble for the Blues. I mean, the, the Red Wings are picking up half of two years. They're only paying $2.6 million for a guy, you know, that is potentially a 30-35 goal scorer in this league. Hey, Panger, we uh, got word from, from Ruby yesterday talking about Tyler Tucker and his uh, play going forward, being a young guy. What do you expect to see from him and, and how much he's going to play more uh, going down the stretch of this season? Well, yeah, this. I mean, he's had a terrific year. Listen, Kerry, that's you know, you've probably seen some teammates in, in football where you're you're wondering where they're at. Are they are they real regulars or are they just come in every once in a while and, and look impressive and maybe fool you a little bit? But you know, the reason why the Blues, you know, have made trades at the deadline is with Nico Mikola and not sign him to another deal is because of the uh the progress of, of Tyler Tucker. So you know what I like about him, uh Karen Brooke, is that he he's not afraid to punch somebody in the mouth. And I think we need that. Like I'm you know, I'm you know, being a former goaltender, I love guys that can move up the ice and can skate and, and are, you know, and are good first pass guys. But you need other guys. You, you need guys like we've had in the past, like, you know, the Joel Edmondsons of the groups that, uh, that aren't afraid to, to cross check you in the chest when you're looking for a loose puck in front of the net. And I think that's where Tyler Tucker fits the, fits the bill really nicely. And he's, he's only just beginning. So I think we've yet to see the best of Tyler Tucker. And He's one of these guys that I bet five years down the line, we, we see an A on his sweater. That, that's how much I think of the way he is and the way he plays. So hopefully, hopefully he makes me. Well, mark this, mark this uh, interview down. It's the morning I slept <laughs> the morning I said that Tyler Tucker in five years will have an A on his sweater. Wow. Wow, that is pretty big. That's that pretty is. big, Panger. We're, we might have to bring that up a couple of times. We're going to keep watch of that. But also it comes at the expense of Callie Rosen, which is really tough. Can you just kind of explain 
why that is, why Kylie Rosen isn't going to get as much time moving forward here because he's just going to be a healthy scratch. And he seems to be, we discussed this, seems to be doing everything that you would want him to do, right? Oh, he has for sure. I mean, you talk about a guy that's uh, not overachieved, but uh, probably um, from fans' point of view, um, they finally you know, got a chance to recognize just how smooth he is and how good he is. You know, I know that the one thing that the coaching staff has wanted a little bit more is physicality from him, but, you know, that's really not his game. I mean, that's where when a guy like Tucker isn't being physical, that's when the coaches can prod him and say, hey, you know what got you here? It's being physical. It's holding holding the line and closing gaps and standing up and, and facing the player and hitting him. Um, but for Callie Rosen, his is his skating. If he's not skating or he's not carrying the puck or he's not making a good first pass, that, that's – that's when you're you're looking for more from this game, but um, I think he's still going to be um, an important part of it because you never know with injuries and, and what have you, and the fact that Tyler Rosen can play the right and the left side. But for the time being, yeah, he looks like he's going to be the odd man out. You can catch the Blues tonight. Puck drops at 8 p.m. Uh, Panger, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be watching and have a good day. We'll talk to you next week. I will have a great day, and thanks for being patient. No, no problem. <laughs> that was Darren Payne joining us from the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Coming up next, oh, Rock, what you got? Well, I just want to tell everybody really quickly about some of the things we got going on here. Obviously, it's college basketball season. It's tipping off, so we got the first round of action for the NCAA tournament tipping off next week. It's already here, and one-on-one will be getting in on the fun by going to watch the games at Max Downtown in Alton. We'll be broadcasting live next Thursday and Friday from Max with BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then the fast lane from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. There'll be plenty of screens to watch all the first round madness, plus delicious food, the coldest beer, tons of 101 ESPN giveaways, and more. Again, that's BK and Ferrario in the fast lane live next Thursday and Friday for the NCAA tournament at Max Downtown in Alton. And that's just the start of the wonderful things going on here at 101 ESPN. Because today, Carrie, you got a chance to win some tickets. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Guns N' Roses on September 9th at Bush Stadium. Tickets for Guns N' Roses are on sale now, and you can text in to win free tickets from 101 on ESPN at 314-399-9646. And here's how you can win those tickets. We were just talking about the two new additions to the St. Louis Blues and Kasperi Kapanen and Jakub Vrana. So my question here, everyone knows Vrana was on the Capitals before the Red Wings where he won a cup. Where did Kasperi Kapanen get drafted in the NHL? Where was Kasperi Kapanen drafted in the NHL? The team name and the city. And you could be a winner of our Guns N' Roses tickets. Just text in at 314-399-9646. You can find all the ticket info and a bonus chance to register to win tickets for Guns N' Roses live at Bush Stadium right now on your 101 ESPN mobile app or at 101ESPN.com. Coming up next, we got Coach Eli Drinkowitz from the Missouri football team. We'll talk to him about a little bit of NCAA tournament with his Mizzou Tiger and how they're faring so far. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and talk to Missouri head football coach Eli Drinkowitz. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Man, I'm doing really good. Uh, I, can we talk about how Dennis Gates got robbed? Can we talk about how Dennis Gates got robbed from SEC head co- coach of the year? Or we got to talk about anything else? Because, man, well, well, that I, was a robbed job. I was going to talk to you about some Mizzou basketball. We're going to wait, but we can get into it right now. Are you going to any of the SEC tournament games? Because I know you are a Mizzou fan. That's my first question. And the second part of the question is, are you going to be having any signs with you when you go? 
<laughs> well, first off, uh, we've got spring football. We're rocking and rolling spring football. So I'm going to have to just let our administration and our fans handle uh, the, the basketball tournament in Nashville right now. So I'm not going to be able to make it down there for that. But if I did, I would probably have a sign that said, uh, Dennis Gates got robbed. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, at least at least he did get named SEC Coach of the Year by USA Today. But yeah, he he did get snubbed in obviously the biggest category too. You've had a lot of fun at those games though, right? I mean, I, I feel like I've seen you at a lot of them. You've been tweeting it out. Can you describe the atmosphere that also has been built there? Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. The atmosphere has been awesome. And I think our students have really responded to our challenge to really get engaged at, at the University of Missouri. And it started – you know, for us in that first Thursday night football game versus La Tech, and it, it carried over throughout the season. And obviously, uh, with Dennis and the basketball team's success, they've just been a magnet for energy over there in, in, in the uh, in the underneath the basket in in the end zone. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, my high school background has been about when you join a community, you 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 join the entire community. And and I was that way uh, in every stop I've ever been. I mean, my, my girls love to support, whether it's the gymnastics team, softball team, uh, men or women's basketball, soccer, football. We're, we're at any sport that we can possibly be at because we're part of the Mizzou family. And that really, for me, is, is what the college experience is all about. Hey, Coach, you talked about spring ball getting started. You all started last week, spring game on March 18th. Spring is always an interesting time because now you have the transfer portal where guys are coming in, going out. You have some injuries that you have to deal with, and sometimes you don't have enough players for, for certain positions. At quarterback, you're, you're you're down a few guys. Brady Cook had the surgery with the labrum tear. Then you got Sam Horn uh, suffering from some pitching some pitching elbow. Uh, what is going on at quarterback right now? I know you got uh, Jake, Jake Garcia there. What are you all doing as far as quarterback goes and, and how you get those guys reps yeah well we we've got a couple of guys taking reps right now both Jake Garcia and Dylan Leibel uh, both guys have been doing an outstanding job I've been really impressed with them uh, throwing the football picking up the offense uh, uh, getting the ball to our playmakers because we have a ton of playmakers out there on the perimeter I think uh, you know Sam Horn's been a little bit limited in what he's able to do uh, but but he's been able to go out there and get some reps. You know, he's not throwing the ball 100% yet, but he is going out there and getting the mental reps and making sure he understands the offense. And even Brady, um, there's some things that we're asking him to do that he can do uh, to get some team reps, not throw the football. So it's been uh, it's been a good. It's been it's been fun to watch all these guys learn, struggle, compete, and uh, fight to get better. It's almost like you guys are having like a 49ers situation, but it's better that it's happening earlier <laughs> and not what happened with the 49ers, of course. Right, Eli? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't put that evil on me, Rick. No, I would like, never. We're, we're I having, would never. We're not having no 49ers. No, it's good. I mean, look, injuries are part of the game, and, and it, it's, it's another person's opportunity. The fortunate thing, one of the reasons we go so early in spring ball is so that by the time we get into the, 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 the heat of the summer and in the fall camp, everybody's ready to go. And they've had a, a, a full cycle to really put the offense, defense, and special teams together. So feel really good about where we're heading and what we're accomplishing. Well, and this year will be very different for you as well with the new offensive coordinator coming in and Kirby Moore. What will that be like having him come in? Does that take a huge weight off of your shoulders as well? So what will that feel like going into the season for you? Um, I mean, maybe it will. It hasn't yet. Just, I mean, it has a little bit from the day to day, but, you know, 
when you're an offensive coach, you're still stressed about this. And when you're, you know, worry about defense and worry about special teams and worry about quarterbacks' arms and worry about NIL and all that good stuff. So uh, I don't know that it's really reduced the stress load at all. I think it's just been uh, moved to another location. <laughs> hey, Coach, you've been coaching college football for about 15 years now, and and I think my math is correct, about 15 years, and there has been a drastic shift in how the landscape of college football has changed with NIL, with Transfer Portal. Can you just talk about how, how different it is now and maybe some of the challenges that you all face uh, with the way that it is now? Yeah, I mean, uh, in my first year of college football, they investigated Cam Newton for NIL, and mm. and, uh, and now this year it's not even part of it, you know. So, no, it's, it's just totally different as far as uh, college football. Um, you know, these players have an opportunity to earn money off their name, image, and likeness, and, uh, you know, uh, they have the ability to transfer, and, and uh, they really have a lot of more control. Uh, over what their situation is. And as football coaches, we're always trying to preserve control. And, and it's just a, a interesting dynamic that's going on. I think it's an extremely unsettled situation because there is so much constant constant change. Um, but that's, that's the way – I mean, we're, we're still hearing rumors on a daily basis uh, of conference realignment. So it's – it's like once we think something's settled, it, it gets stirred back up again. And so until uh, until there's more clarity of the rules, I think every day is an opportunity for, for us to focus on what we can control. And that's really kind of how I've began approaching it. It's like if you get caught up reading Twitter every day, man, you're going to be in a, in a bad frame of reference. So instead, it, it's focus on what we can control. And the things that we can control, uh, let, let's be the very best that we can at it. And so – that's what we're really focused on right here at Mizzou right now. Hey, Coach, when you're, you're coaching young men, I obviously coach high school football. When you're coaching young men, uh, how, how hard is it to, to really get them to understand, like you said, the pressures of social media, doing the right thing? You have the issues that John Moran is going through. You have Brandon Miller from Alabama who's going through his issues that's been talked about a lot. What do you, how do you continue to, to put that into their heads to make good choices and do the right thing on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, I think you preach it till they sing it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you just keep preaching and preaching and preaching until they hear it. But um, I think one of the things that I'm learning more and more is you, you can never assume. You, you can never assume that your players uh, know. Because we we, we're not always sure of what their backgrounds were or what they're raised or what the situation they're raised in or come from. So... You know, like yesterday in our team meeting, we started with the the John Morant situation. We started with, you know, some unfortunate situation with street racing um, and just talked about the decisions you affect today affect the way you live the next day. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Trooper Taylor used to say all the time in 2010 uh, to our team and our players was the decisions you uh, make today will affect the way you live the next day. And so let's be cognizant of those decisions. And and even in the unfortunate situation with the Brandon Miller, like um, it's just firearms escalate everything, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's just uh, whether you're you're pro gun, whatever. Does, none of that, all of that, is a different conversation. But the conversation that has to be understood is that if there is a fire alarm or firearm, it's going to escalate the situation, and no matter what, your life's going to be changed afterwards. And so. That's a real reality that they have to understand. 
Indeed, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the spring game and the rest of spring ball. I will try to make it out there pretty soon and uh, hopefully see you and my guy, Coach Loop, uh, soon enough. All right, Kerry. Appreciate you, buddy. You have a great day. All right, thanks. You too. That was head football coach from Missouri Tigers, Eli Drinkowitz, joining us. And yeah, coaching high school kids, coaching college kids, coaching young men in general, uh, young athletes in general is a tough task trying to get them to make the correct decisions on a daily basis. Young people uh, in general, whether you're coaching them or just living with them, is a, can be a tough challenge. So hopefully, you know, those young men are listening to their coaches and doing the right things for their careers. Yeah. I mean, that, I can't imagine trying to – like gather up a bunch of young men trying to get them all on the same page that's a tough job but hey isn't he like the highest paid uh Uh person in what is it missouri or what is it coaching wise every state that has a uh, has a college football like d1 university power five school pretty sure the highest paid like person in every state especially in the sec especially especially in the sec SEC. (laughs) yeah it's like they're paying a superintendent uh i gotta tell everybody (laughs) I'm going to tell everybody here because their job isn't as important right now. Oh, no. no, no. That's a whole, that's a completely different discussion. We were going to talk some football, but right (laughs) out of the gate, we had to talk some college basketball. So everyone's getting excited for the tournament and you can show off your NCAA tournament knowledge by signing up to play in this year's 101 ESPN Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge where you can beat players like me who finished last last year. You can register now to participate at 101ESPN.com. Once the bracket is set, make your picks for this year's tournament. It's free to enter and the top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 ESPN prize pack. See the contest rules and get signed up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com 101ESPN.com's Bracket Madness Madness Pick'em Challenge is brought to you by Bud Light and Twin Peaks. And congratulations to Craig from Fenton. You won the Guns N' Roses tickets. Tune in tomorrow for your chance to win your uh, opportunity to win tickets for the Guns N' Roses. Brooke, thank you so much for today. It's been awesome. And we'll do it again tomorrow. We will, right? And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. <laughs> for, from henceforth, in perpetuity, as they say. Right? Yes, yeah. and, and Brooke will be here every day. Because yes, even on opening even day. Even on opening day. Even, she will even be, despite she will be with Carrie and Randy <laughs> Don't you leave when me they out. are live at the brew house. <laughs> Thank you, Rock. Thank you, Carrie. From us here at the Open and Drive, uh, the Ajax and T-Mac next with a balloon party. That's next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.